We're rolling. Welcome back to episode 33 of the Jiu-Jitsu Dummies podcast, everybody. We're sponsored by Fightback CBD. Get 15% off your CBD order at fightbackcbd.com with code JJD. I'm Milton Campus. Hello. Purple Belt, Fight Sports, Coral Springs. You can check me out on Instagram at UncleMiltyBJJ. Uh, just me and Bo again today. Uh, we've got a very cool guest coming on in just a little bit. Jake Watson's going to be joining us, uh, BJJ Black Belt. Uh, we are also sponsored by War Bar Soap. Get a close-up there, Bo. Get 25% off of any of their hygiene products with code JJD at warbarsoap.com. Huge shout-out to Flow and Roll at flow underscore n underscore roll at, on Instagram. You can get 20% off your online order with code JJD at flowandroll.com. Okay? Last but not least... Thank you to Crown Rash Guards for the gear that they sent us. We showed it on last uh, week's episode. I'm waiting for Junior and Miguel to come back into the studio so that we can do a little review. We'll talk about what we liked about the Rash Guards. I know. I love it so far. I've washed it and worn it and washed it a few times. comes out perfect. Actually, it feels like it's holding up better than some of my other geese where like the fibers start to kind of peel away. All right. Uh, if you'd like to support the show, visit us at patreon.com forward slash jujitsu dummies. Join and you'll automatically enter to win uh, or be part of a $100 raffle every single month. Okay. It's usually uh, either a, a flow and roll gi or a $100 gift cards gift card to our podcast store. And uh, listeners who submit questions on the show are also automatically entered into that drawing. Okay. Shout out to our current Patreon podcast patrons, Robert Walker, Frank House, Wolsey Rivera, Boa Athletics, you can check them out on IG at BOA, B-O-A underscore athletics. Thank you to Michael Pixley Jr., Jason Smiley, Britt Tavar, James Fisher, C.J. Carroll, Mission 22, Chuck Reddora, and Roberto Santiago. All right? Don't forget to like, comment, subscribe, and share wherever you're watching or listening. If you're watching us on YouTube, don't forget to click the little bell. Ding-a-ding. <laughs> and uh, it'll give you a notification every time we launch a new video, whether it's an episode or a promo video. You could support the, the Jiu-Jitsu Dummies Foundation on Amazon Smile. You can go to our Instagram and check out the directions. Uh, that's at Jiu-Jitsu Dummies. And uh, it's pretty easy. You'll just really, it's the same shopping experience. You're just, uh, or Amazon is giving us a little piece of every purchase. Uh, it's a few pennies here and there. Stay tuned to the end of the episode. To learn how the foundation can help you pay for your next tournament. And uh, that's it for the housekeeping. I went through that pretty quick. We're going to be right back with Jake Watson. Thank you, everybody. Stay tuned. Okay, everybody. Welcome back. Joining us today is Jiu-Jitsu Black Belt, coach, commentator, which is how I kind of first, you got you came onto my radar that way, uh, co-host of the Open Guard cast. That's a Jiu-Jitsu podcast as well. Welcome, Jake Watson. How you doing, man? Doing great, man. Thank you. I appreciate you. Shouting out the commentary. I've been trying to get more, <laughs> trying to get more into that realm, and it's hard. But I'm I'm excited to be able to do it. I'm, I'm glad you found out about me that way. So let me let me tell you how this started. So I've been doing jujitsu now six or seven years. I think I'm on my seventh year. Um, started when I was about 41. So late start. I started uh, got into uh, you know a friendly business relationship with Jits King. Started talking to them, and the first event where they had my banner, I was watching on Flow. Flow grappling, and I believe you jumped onto the onto the desk with uh, with uh, their crew. Um, who is it? Who's uh, who's their main commentator? Oh, geez, he's gonna kill me. Uh, 
Patrick Hamilton. Patrick, mm-hmm. Patrick Hamilton. Sorry, Patrick. Uh, so yeah, you jumped on the table, and and the entire time, all I was thinking about was, wow, how good are these guys at commentating? Because I had seen some other flow grappling events, and I was like, these, wow, this is great. I'm like, I, you know, I didn't expect it because I had seen other, I had, was like new on flow, but I had you know seen some other events with friends and in the gym and things like that. And I, and it just, uh, and that's how it just got on my radar. And then they were starting the Jits King podcast. I was helping them out a little bit. And I said, you know, Hey, talk, you know, mention us to Jake, tell him, you know, we want him on the show. And then things kind of got away from us. There were a lot of other guests that we were like trying to get, but you, I had, I have a nice list of people that I want to talk to and you were on that list and then we finally connected. So, so that's where I first saw you. Uh, I'm new to the world of the, you know, competition. I'm new as a, a fan. I'm new to the competition side of this. So now I'm discovering your videos and I'm seeing you compete and I watch you, uh, you know, a couple of your, uh, or at least one of your Roberto Jimenez, uh, fights at, at Brown belt. <laughs> both of those went poorly. So. <laughs> well, both of, those uh, did, both of those did not go my way at all. So, <laughs> so I got out in the weeds there, but that's how I found out about you. And that's why mm-hmm. we're here. And again, once again, I'll say it again. I appreciate you coming on. Uh, so uh, where do we start here? Let, let's. I always like to just get a little background. Tell us about how you got into into not only jujitsu but martial arts. Because I understand maybe you even started in, with taekwondo as a youngster, correct? Yeah. Okay. So it's kind of like I have a an odd life, right? I uh, we moved. We were. I was homeless with my brother and my father in Colorado oh, wow. when we were very young, six years old. It was a big split between my mom and my dad. My dad got full custody, and we just struggled for about a half a year um, to find a home. And, uh, it was, it was, my dad is a superhero. He would, he just taught me what hard work was from the very beginning. He just showed me, you know? And, uh, what ended up happening was we moved to Arizona and I lived with my aunt and my uncle, uncle Howie and and my him. And, uh, eventually I found a Taekwondo school and I, uh, initially developed interest in Taekwondo watching UFC 65, which was titled bad intentions. And, uh, the headliner of that show was it was Jeff Monson versus Tim Sylvia was the co-main event and George St. Pierre versus Matt Hughes was the main event. I remember after seeing George St. Pierre kick Matt Hughes in the head and destroy like I was blown away. George St. Pierre was my first hero in in uh, MMA. So I wanted to be an MMA fighter. So everything I did led up to me wanting to be an MMA fighter. But my dad was like, whoa, 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 MMA, you're you're not you're seven years old. Let's not. <laughs> so I started out in Taekwondo. I got my black belt when I was 12. And that. Uh, therein lies like the whole like oh if everybody if it was easy everybody would do karate right but taekwondo ended up teaching me a lot of intrinsic values of really working hard and i, I really wanted to be perfect at it and i eventually met a kid named clayton carpenter who i'm still friends with to this day when i was uh, like nine years old i was a purple belt in taekwondo white belt in jiu-jitsu and we fought at a tournament called west which i'm not sure if you're familiar with the name roland saria but that guy used to own Rage in the Cage way back in the day. That's, he, that name I know, Rage in the Cage. I remember that. Mm-hmm. I think he's the guy that said he got promoted to Black Belt by God. And uh, <laughs> <laughs> which, uh, <laughs> I don't know. That I'm, I have not heard. <laughs> I'm, a, I'm a devout Christian. I don't know if God said that. <laughs> so, uh, so Did he also give him his stripes point. up into the Black Belt too? He Was he, was he <laughs> giving out stripes? I don't know. Like, God promoted me. I tell everybody about it. I'd be like, listen, this is true. Like, you gotta keep in mind this red text saying Jake Watson deserves his black belt. But uh, <laughs> I, uh, I, I met Clayton at this tournament. He beat me, and he invited me to train. And then from then on, I went on this big journey of I did boxing, kickboxing, Muay Thai, 
uh, I, I retired quote unquote from Taekwondo, uh, just due to, you know, being interested in boxing, Taekwondo wrestling or uh, boxing, kickboxing, wrestling, Muay Thai and jujitsu. And I would compete in all those disciplines independently as well as MMA fights on Indian reservations. So I, I fought illegally. Like I fought full contact MMA when I was 15 years old on an Indian reservation and Herb Dean was the referee. Wow. This is like really, really shame on you, Herb. Shame on you. No, Herb Dean's <laughs> no, the man. Are you kidding me? I love Herb him. Dean's He's like, awesome. Hey, you guys are sick. Cause I, I had a crazy fight and there's, I have like, I have a lot of crazy stories that, uh, that are just, I feel so blessed to be a part of throughout my life. You know what I mean? But, uh, that's pretty much how I got involved in jujitsu. It was just a, a weird series of loops and turns. And eventually, um, I was training at what was Ken Shamrock's lines then in Scottsdale and Andre Maracaba, who moved to Arizona 10 years ago, uh, became my jujitsu coach after I was previously training under Carlos Farias. And on, when I met Andre for the first week, I hated him. He was super strict. I was like, this guy sucks. He won't let me play around in class. He's making me do push-ups. I hate him. And then a week later, he was like my mentor. Like He's like the wow. best. So he's been that way for – I've been training with him for a decade now, ever since I was a yellow belt. And is that where you're coaching now? Are you coaching? Yeah. Okay. Barakaba BJJ. There you go. Shout out. We co-own and we, we co-teach okay. at. So I grew up to be a business partner with him, and he's my best friend. So awesome, man. It's really so how long have you been training BJJ then? What's what's the count on that from when you started, when you made that transition? I would say 11 years. Okay. Even even though I did one to two weeks of, or one to two days a week of Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu during my Taekwondo time, right? But I can't really count that because I wasn't, I didn't care about Jiu-Jitsu back then. I cared about Taekwondo, you know? So every time I competed or did anything, it was always with a Taekwondo focus. And Jiu-Jitsu was just a thing that we did so we could have it. You know, and uh, it turned out that that little bit of training took me to jujitsu eventually. Um, but uh, it wasn't like it wasn't the uh, focus. So I would say 11 years of Brazilian jujitsu training. And when did you get your black belt? I got my black belt a year and a half ago on June 22nd of 2019. Very nice. Okay. All right. So for those of you, you know, for those of people out there listening that don't know you, Let's talk a little bit about the competition side. You've been competing since you were in juvenile categories, correct? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Uh, since I was uh, in the kids' ranks as well. Yeah. Did you did you win any world titles uh, as a youngster? Uh, so I didn't. Pan kids, I sucked. That uh, was bad. <laughs> it was triangle or bust when I was a kid, man. I'm telling you. Like, if I locked my close guard, Andre was like, yeah. But if it got anywhere else in the fight, if it was on top, might as well get swept, right? Yeah. So, uh, I actually didn't win my first big title until it was 2013 Pan Ams. I won Pan Ams 2013 as a juvenile. Um, they didn't have a, a difference between juvenile one and two back then. So it was just 141 pounds of juvenile. Uh, and then after that, I, uh, I became very complacent in my training because I was like, whatever, I can do all this and I'm talented. So I can just, you know, I can just slack off and still win big tournaments, whatever. And I'm, you know, I'm 15 years old. And my coach, uh, because he cares so much, you know, that's one of the things about Andre that is uh, just so amazing to me is that he cares individually. You know, he has a plan. He's almost like a father for, you know, you could have 15 kids. You love all your kids individually and they're all different. You discipline them differently. For me, he needed to tell me like, listen, you don't even deserve to win what you just won because you don't work hard. Like you got off. Like some of the kids, there was a kid I fought in the final. His name is uh, Victor Antunes. Andre told me that there's a chance that that kid 
never came back. To, like he never came back to America. Never. That was his one, one opportunity to come to America and win. And I beat him in the final. And like, he worked very, very hard to get that. And I, and I caught him in a submission and I won. Um, but I think it was just a reminder, like I don't even work hard. And it eventually led to me quitting all the other disciplines and going to Brazilian Jiu Jitsu. But after that, after I made the commitment to just stick to straight Brazilian Jiu Jitsu, and that was a rough talk. Like I quit Jiu Jitsu for a whole week after that. I was depressed. And uh, <laughs> my, my hero told me, you know, hey, listen, you don't deserve what you just got, which is like, now I get it. But back then I was like, whatever, like Audrey's a, being mean to me, whatever. Um, so I won the 2014 Nogi World Jiu-Jitsu Championship at Juvenile, double gold. And I won the team trophy being the sole athlete from my academy. Now, I know that that sounds kind of weird, but I actually accrued so much points um, from the tournament that I actually beat. It was it was Power MMA, which is the name of the gym that we were under when I was when I was competing. I was still Andre uh, was first place. And I was the only competitor that competed at Nogi Worlds from our gym that year. And Alliance was second place. Wow. So it was really, really cool that I that I did that. And I, I think only uh, Elizabeth Clay has done that at like a, a national, like, like a world tournament. I think only she's ever done that as well, but yeah. And I don't, I don't do Nogi, but that's my, that's my Nogi claim to fame. Okay. So you don't <laughs> do Nogi I, anymore. You won't compete on, you don't compete in Nogi. It's not that I don't do Nogi anymore. It's right now the demands of our gym, uh, just kind of the way. And if any of my students are listening to this, you can have a Nogi program. If you just like, when, when we make a Nogi program, cause we've done this a, a few times at the Academy where, um, you know, we had a Nogi program and then like, student i'm sure you see it like we have a program and then students don't show up and like what are you gonna do with the program like it's, it's non-existent yeah. you know i would love to do Nogi, but we just don't have the demand for it you know and uh so mostly i'm a gi competitor and i've been competing gi funny enough when i competed on jits king and i lost to john combs i didn't i didn't uh, actually grapple any nogi for the tournament so and uh and so it was obviously a little weird grappling a nogi fight after essentially grappling in the gi without making grips like that's how mm -hmm. i prepared for the tournament but i just grappled in the gi without making grips um which i guess is as close as you can get in the gi yeah. but it just wasn't uh it wasn't enough to beat someone as talented and, and who works as hard as john like he's he's a very good very accomplished and uh very dangerous competitor my whole yeah. game plan was lifted up and i sat up like that's <laughs> my whole game plan was to do the opposite of what i ended up doing you know and that's that's uh that's not a mistake that you can make at this level but uh, I would love to go in and I would love to compete in both disciplines. I want to do ADCC. Uh, it's just not and now. Right now, at this point in my career, I just don't believe that it's uh, the best move. Okay, so let's go back to that conversation you had with your coach. Had mm -hmm. the conversation where he was like, "Listen, you don't deserve this." How? What was? What did you do exactly after that conversation? You said you quit jujitsu for a week, but then what changed? What did you do differently? So here's the circumstances of that talk. I was actually, it was after I won pans and I got off the mat uh, before the advanced class. So I, I did the intermediate class and I was like, I'm going to go home. So I'm getting off the mat while the advanced class is about to start. Uh, one of my good friends, his name is Matt, Matthew Gillette. He's a, a very, very dangerous master's competitor. He's master's two black belt. And at the time he was a blue belt as well. So me and him were both blue belts or he might've been purple belt, but that's beside the point. He was actually on his lunch break with a taped eye and he was like sick. So he has a taped eye. He's sick and he's on his lunch break training. And he hadn't won. He was adult yet. He hadn't won a big tournament yet, but he's working as hard as I should have been working. You know what I mean? Like mm -hmm. he was the, he was just the personification of my lack of motivation. You know what I mean? And uh, so Andre was like, Matt, come here. Like he came over to me and he's like, Jake, do you understand that like 
you are talented. And if you work half as hard as this guy works, you would deserve everything he deserves. And I'm like, okay, like I'm 15, you know, I don't know how 15 year old Jake works anymore, but I, uh, I basically rejected it because I didn't understand what I was being told. So I went home and I just, and I just took a week off because it was hard. You know, he told Andre told me if I, if, if I won worlds, if I won Nogi worlds this year, and I was training the way I was training, it wouldn't make him happy because I, he knows that I'm capable of so much more and I'm not even living up to my capabilities. And I just took it as, you know, Andre told me I suck basically, but it took me talking to my mom. My mom led me to Jesus. My mom is just the woman I, I will, I will thank God for her every day. Right. Um, she said like, maybe he's just trying to motivate you, Jake, because you are capable of so much, but you don't train hard. It's like, cause you don't act like you want to do it. And then I remember I was in a BJ's brewery. So this was what I did immediately after was get really depressed and go home and talk to my mom, which is, I guess, you know, even adults do that nowadays. Amen. But look, I, uh, I, <laughs> I go to a BJ's brewery with my parents and I quit everything. And they were like, what? Cause in their eyes, I had basically wasted like a bunch of money and time, which my parents were very, very supportive of my dream. They helped me. Um, but in their eyes, they're like, how long have you not wanted to do it? And for me, it was that week I made the decision. I was like, I don't do this anymore. It's not it, like I, I, I essentially would wake up, go to school. As soon as I was done with school, I would eat on the way to the gym and I would get out of the gym at 11 a.m. or 11 p.m. So I had no life. I was just doing everything. And my body hurt. I was like 15 years old with like a back pain and stuff like that. And uh, and eventually I just realized, wow, I had been, you know, eluding jujitsu for so long. Uh, I should really focus on it. And it took Andre talking to me to do that. So immediately what I did was I focused on how am I going to, you know, what, what am I going to do? What do I really want to do in life? And, uh, this was around the same time that I was in a video production program at school. So I was already thinking maybe I want to be a news anchor as well. So I was either going to be an MMA fighter or a news anchor. And I ended up being a Brazilian jiu-jitsu athlete. <laughs> so, okay. So is the commentating kind of something, is that the news anchor coming back? Is that, is that what the commentating is? Obviously there's a love for jujitsu, but is that where this is coming mm -hmm. from? You know, uh, I always felt that I wanted to work uh, – when I was doing the video news anchor thing, I always wanted to work for the UFC. Um, and I, I just saw how good Joe Rogan was at you know presenting the fight as a story. And now I see John Anik, and I love John Anik. Yeah, Man, that great. guy – John Anik, if you hear this podcast, I want to learn from you. But uh, one thing that I feel like is I've always had a very big interest in video production. Even before I took the video production course – I would make videos and I would like, I would put together compilations and I used to have a YouTube channel actually where I don't know if you're familiar with the game, super smash bros, yes. but there's a whole editive scene behind it. And I would make combo videos and they would get hundreds of thousands of views. The, like the players who I made the combo videos for would share them on their Twitters and it was cool, but no one knew who I was. Cause I put like, you know, I didn't want anybody to know who I was. I was like, whatever. Um, but it got freaking copyright struck too. The channel doesn't <laughs> exist. anymore. Uh, but anyway, that's beside the point. I was always interested in video production i was always interested in talking and public speaking and i and i i eventually as i got older i felt like man i really want to like i want to do so much more than just be an athlete like i don't think i'm just going to be a jiu-jitsu fighter like i want to be a coach i want to teach seminars i want to commentate i want to be a part of the scene i want to be a tournament promoter one day i want to do like i want the list to go on so that i can eventually spread my goal which eventually you'll ask me about what my big goal with everything i do in life is um but yeah, I feel like it did come from my video production learning, but it was just very, very fun to learn how to do all that stuff. So I could do it with my jujitsu. I like the medium of jujitsu to, to, to do what I do. Okay. So what, so 
you have that conversation with your coach, you come in with this new drive. Fast forward to today. What sure. keeps you motivated to get that out there on the mat? Because, I mean, it's it's a unique individual who can really do the competitions that you do and, and the travel and and mm-hmm. all that goes into it, the prep, the recovery. What keeps you motivated on a daily basis? Uh, spreading the gospel of Jesus Christ. Okay. That's 100%, 100% my goal. I'm a very uh, – I last year, April 29th of 20 uh, – or actually – is April 29th of 2019, I believe, that I got baptized in the name of Jesus. And uh, that wasn't like, I still was like not acting great. Like I, I I was saved, you know, and I did the whole thing and I went in the water and I came out and the church people clapped and I was like, yay. But then I was like, I just kept on, like I, I was really, really uh, going up and down through depression, which is something I struggled with for a very long time that I didn't realize it until I saw how bad I was treating my body. And I was like, wow, I've been like this for a while. And uh, like five months ago, I, I fully committed my life to following the gospel and to spreading the gospel. And I believe that there's many different ways that you can creatively show people God's word and God's effect on your life. And the fact that he is a real thing. Uh, he is a real tangible force. And in, in, in like, it's the main motivation. It's the main thing that wakes me up in the morning. Like I, I quite literally and metaphorically would not be awake without God. And that is my, that is my, my truth, right? Like I, that's what I feel. And I don't know if anybody, I'm not uh, trying to be rude or anything like that with anything I say, but I was, I was, I was convicted of these things. And I truly believe that my actions and what I say, the way I present myself, it's all changed. Not like by me, like I didn't make a decision to change. I just did eventually. Uh, and that's kind of how God works in us. So everything I do with like training, like I love training now. I love eating healthy. I love doing this. Like I love talking to people because I love hearing people's stories. The open guard cast, which I do with Danny O'Donnell, uh, and Danny's the smarter half of it, by the way. Don't get it twisted. Just because I just like because I compete and because I you know talk a lot. Danny is the infinitely smarter half of the open guard <laughs> cast. Uh, I, was, I was blessed with a body to work, not a brain to think. You know what I mean? So I. Uh, I, I, I love doing the podcast with Danny because we get to have so many conversations with people. And I just think that everybody has their own unique story. And it's so crazy to be able to see like as, as different as we all are, we're so connected. And I feel like the more I compete, the more I travel, the the stronger I get in my faith because I see the, I mean, how much do you love jujitsu just seven years? You know what I mean? Yeah. Like pff, my good. You ever had a surgery? It's no, it. pretty close. Uh, uh, sprained my ACL and MCL, so I was pretty close. I thought I had to go for surgery. Exactly. See, you love jujitsu. Think about that that you have in common with so many other people, and then put that into perspective. Like, wow, we are all connected by this niche sport. Think about how much deeper we're actually all connected, and that's that's what strengthens my belief in God. And that's the that's the main motivation for everything. That's that's one hundred percent why I do what I do. Uh, that's why, like win, lose, or draw, you know, um, I never get too high on the highs or too low on the lows. I have a standard, not an expectation. I understand that, you know, we're not owed a thing. Uh, every day could be literally the last day that you live. So why are we spending time worrying about the future? Why are we spending time worrying about the past? You know, I, uh, I'm really, really motivated by, by Jesus. So let's say, okay, kid walks in the gym, you meet a kid first time, parents bring him in. Uh, mm-hmm. let's, let's, let's call him a teenager. Uh, he's maybe a fan of the UFC mm-hmm. and, uh, he says, I want to start competing. 
what do you tell, what's the best advice that you can give somebody who's just looking at getting started in their jujitsu journey and, and or MMA? Cause you did MMA as well. So I think you have a, a good yeah. take on that side as well. So brand new, you, the, the question is he's brand new, brand new, no experience competing, never wrapped his hands, like, never had, a, never had a gi on, never wrapped, never thrown on MMA wraps, you know, never put on the gloves. What do you tell that kid? I would say, hey, let's do let's do a class. Let's do a class, see how comfortable you are. Because with every class, if he wants to compete, he's going to have to go through a role, right? He's going to have to do a live role. And if he is super uncomfortable with a live role, he's, he's going to hate competing because it's way different. Or it's actually, it's not different the more you get into it, but you get my point. Yeah. It's like, there's a drop. It's scary. I would say that's a great motivation. One thing as a coach that's kind of interesting is how can we foster that motivation while still keeping him in reality? Like, we want him to see how what it's what it's actually like, but still keep him realistically motivated to do that thing. Like show him this is attainable, but you have to go through steps first. You can't just compete now. You can, but you might you might not enjoy it because think about it. Like, like we've all had awful tournament experiences, but if we had that awful tournament experience as our first one, we might not come back. You know, I've been choked on fight to win stage in Hawaii by Michael Liera in like a minute. That sucked. I wanted to freaking I cried so hard. But if I did that my first tournament ever, I might not be doing jiu-jitsu today. Yeah. So as a coach, we walk these uh, interesting fine lines with new students. Uh, and we get students like that all the time, as I'm sure you see at your academies, where they want to come in and they want to they want to go now. Like, I want to do jiu-jitsu. I saw the UFC last night. I saw Israel Asanya, and he kicked a guy. And we're like, well, we're a jiu-jitsu school. We don't do that. But we can teach you how to do jiu-jitsu. Um, I, I would say let's do a class and then ask them how they're feeling. Like, hey, how'd you feel? How'd you feel in that role? Maybe put them with someone that's better so that they get beat up a little bit. Like, that's realistic. Like, put them with someone that they're going to get beat up. See how they handle getting beat up, you know? Um, that may sound kind of morbid, but, like, you know you know what I'm saying. No, like, yeah, you yeah, have yeah, to I, that there's not just winning. You don't just win all the time. I, I'm, I'm lucky enough in my, in my academy. I'm a little, you know, getting a little older now, so maybe they don't do it as much. But whenever I'm – I walk around 2.30, 2.35, and whenever there's a big guy that comes in, yeah, yeah, no, more like this, less of like, this, more of this. I'm not, I'm not, I can't dude, I look like, I got a forearm stack on top of a forearm, so you don't gotta, you're good. I, I'm, I'm a little bit thicker in the middle, but I, I've been, you know, geez, I've been over 2.20 for, I think, half my life. Uh, but, you know, oh, lifted a lot with jujitsu. I guess, you know, I just don't lift as much as I used to because it's just like you're always so beat up and it's recovery. I want to get back on the mat. Uh, so I'm usually that guy or I have been that guy in the past where when a big guy comes in, you know, sometimes new, sometimes a little bit more experienced. I'm a purple belt. You know, sometimes, you know, maybe purple and below and I get that big guy. But I've also gotten the new big guy. And, you know, my coach over time, I didn't realize in the beginning, I would try to like, all right, I got to smash this guy because this guy is just going to, you know, probably lay and pray. He's going to try and get on top. Uh, I don't know if he's been a wrestler. I'll, you know, I've learned to say, number one, have you ever done this before? Have you ever wrestled? Did you Have you done any kind of martial arts before? I want to get an idea if he's going to just come at me or, you know, do I play guard, let him come on top of me or, or, you know, or maybe I'll just say, hey, listen, they're going to roll over there, but let me just show you kind of the basic position. Let's go into guard. So I learned that over time, but in the beginning, in my younger days in the, you know, again, only six or seven years in my 40s, but in my younger days in the sport, I would smash the guy and my coach would be like, 
you can't smash the brand new guy because he's never going to come back. And I guess, yeah. you know, the, the ego take gets the better of you and I'm not going to let this new guy smash me. And I learned, and I will absolutely take that new guy now and be like, Hey, look, they're going to, yeah, I know coach said to roll. Let me show you just, you know, close guard, mm -hmm. open guard. I'm going to show you how to pass the guard. And I wind up just taking it a different way. If he's somebody that has a little experience, he's a white belt and maybe he's coming to us from another Academy, then I might take a different approach. But you know, at, at the end of the day, I think, Everyone out there that's listening, just remember, you know, those, uh, what is it? Uh, they say white belts are, are fish, not food. Is that what, is that nah. the saying? Something like that? I, or our friends, not food. I'm sorry. Our friends, not food. <laughs> oh, yeah. they're fish, not food. I said, Same thing. Yeah. <laughs> yeah pretty good. They're friends, not food. And we got to, you know, be careful that we want them to come in. We want them to be training parts. Same as like, you know, don't, uh, you know, don't try to break somebody, literally try to break somebody's arm when you're, you know, these are your friends. You're like, You've got to keep them in good shape, and they have to do the same for you. So I had to learn that a lot about time over time. But that that's kind of lead me to another question. With talk to me a little. I watched an interview that you did, and I think you kind of just talked about like you had some lower back pain. You did some cupping therapy, and at my age, I'm always looking for. You know, I have I have the the so right. I have the chirp wheel. I have the massage guns. I have everything, and I use them all almost every day, whether I've trained or not. It gets me out of bed in the morning. Talk to me a little bit about what you do for recovery. And I'd really like to learn. I, I, you know, obviously I can get on the internet and look up cupping, but you said it, I, I heard it. And I said, well, you know, let me talk to Jake about this. Let me see what, what that did for him. But talk to me a little bit about your recovery programs and then cupping specifically. Okay. So first things first, the two best ways you can recover. This is agreed by, uh, I talked to Jordan Syatt, who is, uh, one of my friends who's, uh, he was a Vaynerchuk's personal trainer and he, uh, he's, he's Really, really knowledgeable about this. Also, Alex Sterner of Electrum Performance in San Diego, who uh, he strength trains all the uh, the people at Autos Jiu Jitsu HQ okay. and a lot of other people as well, including me. Um, but but nutrition and sleep are always going to be your your top priorities with recovery. It's always going to be nutrition and sleep. What you're putting in your body is what your body's going to use to repair itself. It's what it's going to use to strengthen itself. It's going it's what it's going to use to better get to sleep which is the next thing is sleep. Like you need to, you need to sleep adequately and you need to find out what that means for you. So for some people it's six hours and that's good for some people like Paulo Costa. Apparently that guy sleeps like 12 hours a day. Like that's a lot of sleep, but that's what he does. So, so those are the first two things I focus on. And then, uh, get, getting to the cupping. I work with Dr. Neil Morris of the regenerative health group here in Mesa, Arizona on 420 West Mahoney Avenue. And, uh, Neil has been a great friend of the Academy for so long and uh, he's just he's just very very knowledgeable, and a lot of what he does, I don't I haven't done injection therapy such as PRP or stem cells with him yet, but I do plan on doing that. I've had a hip injury since I was about not hip injury, but I believe I I may or may not have a slightly hurt labrum in my hip uh, that has just been I've been dealing with since I was about seventeen years old, which sucks. That's six years of hip pain, but uh, I uh, I have been dealing with that, and we've been doing cupping uh e-stimulation so like electronic stimulation in my back and uh deep tissue massages once per week and that is between those things along with proper technique while i'm lifting uh and also auto regulation which just means if you're not feeling good to lift heavy i don't care that your goal was to lift heavy today don't lift heavy don't you know your ego is is a dangerous thing when you're lifting because if you have a hurt elbow and you go for a bench max it's your fault that you hurt your elbow not the weight you know mm -hmm. um so that's with all those things, you know, you slow down your progress a little bit. You might get there eventually if you have to auto-regulate a little too much is how hard you're training. But 
things like taking out a round, you know, I don't, I don't take performance enhancing drugs. Uh, so I will sit out around. Like I, I, I get that my progress will be slower and different and my journey will be about as good as it can get organically. But with my recovery, those are the things that I do. So yeah, the cupping, I love cupping. Uh, I haven't done like the, the Asian style medicine of, uh, cupping with heat and the heat makes it rise. I've never done that. Although that looks cool. Uh, and also I've heard that you can slide the cupping around better with that because the pressure maintains and you don't lose any of the air. What I do is it's like, it's like a, it's the same accomplishment, but it's like a pump, like you pump it and then it makes the, the skin rise up. And, uh, what Neil does, is he actually finds out what areas of my back are most, uh, tight from the way that I am uh, training and we write down trends. So we know how to treat certain, uh, types of pain in my back just for me specifically so let's take yesterday for instance my tra upper upper back like right below my traps were very sore and that was pulling on my mid back and it was making my back hurt and i deal with back pain just because of the way i played you did so i do a lot of burn bolo i do a lot of inversion i do a lot of uh pressure passing so it's like a mix of both and my back is getting pulled in different directions but uh those are the things i do with neil and like i said i, I eat about four thousand calories a day uh, I can't eat any more than that. It's just too hard. I don't have, I don't have the schedule, uh, that allows it. I'd have to get off the mat mid class and eat, which is weird. But, uh, I try to take very good care of my diet and I try to sleep as much as I can, you know, that's, you, that's, uh, I do. Do you have a, a chiropractor that you go to as well? I mean, is it like, you know, I, I go at least once a week and I get my, go for like a therapy. They'll do a half hour massage, a therapy with the, like kind of the electrodes, uh, electronic stimulation and then i'll see the chiropractor he'll crack my back do you do anything like that i have not gone to a chiropractor in a while i used to go to dr matt colby who's also in arizona but uh i haven't gone to a chiropractor in a bit i haven't felt like i haven't really looked too much into chiropractic work to begin with just i don't really understand it um and i would like to be educated on it for sure mm -hmm. But I won't. I won't put my body through something that I'm not led to understand. So another cool thing about Doctor Neil, uh, Doctor Neil, I almost call him Doctor Meal, uh, about Doctor Neil, which he's a blue belt, so that's kind of right. I'm just kidding. That's, that's, that's a uh, shots fired. Yeah, <laughs> I'm just kidding, Neil. I love you, Neil. Um, but uh, Doctor Neil, he teaches me everything he's doing, and I, I, I know a lot of people are like, whatever, just work on my back. I trust you, but I want to learn. I want to be able to know so I can explain it on shows like this, you know, and I can help people understand what he's doing because at the end of the day, I'm trying to get people to understand that it actually, what he does is very good and it helps me a lot. Uh, I did it right before I went to American nationals. My gi came up and I saw a bunch of cupping marks on my back and some people asked me about it. They were like, dang, dude, you got a serious cupping. I was like, no, I just have a seriously hurt back. This is what happens. Wow. But, uh, it was, uh, I like to learn. So I haven't done any chiropractic work, but I would love to learn about it because maybe that would help me, yeah. uh, as well. Cool. Cool. Now let's go back. You mentioned before um, some of the competitions that you, you, you kind of glazed over it. What's what's next on on uh, the competition scene for you? Uh, do you have anything planned? Do you have any fights uh, scheduled? At the moment, no fights are scheduled. I am in talks with uh, Seth Daniels. Uh, so interestingly enough, I, I would love. So I want to fight for the fight to win title. That is my my goal right now. Is I uh, I have beaten at okay so I, I competed at both 185 pounds and 200 pounds i walk around at 188 pounds so i was competing at 200 just because the opponents that i fight at 195 weigh that much and they cut to 195 and i walk around 188 um so what i uh, am looking to do because i beat samir applicator honaldo jr and uh 
I had a really close match with Manuel Hebemar at 185. And uh, that wasn't the order, but uh, I qualified. I, I believe, just judging by how I see the division panning out, I'm one of the top contenders for the title in that division. And I beat Hudson Mateos, Mateos Luna, and Arnaldo Maidana at 200 pounds. And though uh, that's putting me what I believe is the number one contender in that spot too. So I want to fight for the title in one of those divisions. Um, he keeps on asking me if I want to do Nogi too. And I just can't. Like I can't put myself in that position. It would be unwise as an athlete to put myself in a fight that I cannot actually prepare for. Especially uh, athletes nowadays who do Nogi are doing only Nogi. And it's like, man, I'm going to go into a heel hook rule set without an understanding of heel hooks. That's just not... That's just not smart. We got you. We lost you there for a second, but we didn't lose the My audio. Apologies. We didn't lose the audio. It's just the video. But okay. go ahead. My apologies. I was just playing with something in it oh. for some reason. My Bluetooth. Um, but yeah, that's. Uh, I wouldn't be wise of me to do that. So we're still in talks. Uh, I really want to compete as much as I can. Yeah. So uh, I just I I love competing. If there's ever a super fight show that has a, a gi athletes needed, I will fill in. I'll go up and wait. Like I, I just, I love competing. And right now I'm doing a lot of training and a lot of gi. So I I'm, I'm comfortable. Like I just got off American nationals. I felt great. Um, at that tournament, but as far as Nogi goes right now, until I'm actually training Nogi, I'm not going to do a Nogi fight. It just doesn't make sense. It's, it wouldn't be, it wouldn't be smart. Does Seth also do the, who's number one. Is that his as well? Or no, is that more for no, like flow? That is a flow grappling only show, and they only do Nogi right now. And then the next mm -hmm. show they just announced that's going to happen in like, I don't know, January or February is another Nogi show. I'm like, dude, get a Gi fight. Like, put mm -hmm. me on a Gi show, please. Like, that's all I want from you is a freaking Gi fight. I want, I was going to fight Roberto Jimenez before uh, the COVID 19 pandemic shut, shut everything down in the world, but I was scheduled to fight him. It was actually a week and a half, two weeks before I was supposed to fight Roberto. I beat Hudson. So I beat Hudson and I was going to fight Roberto and that was going to be like the order that I, that I was competing, but then everything got shut down. Wow. How many times have you fought Roberto? We mentioned it before, I think right at the beginning. Only twice. Twice. The first fight, you know, what's funny is both fights were going well until, um, and this was a, a very big problem that I used to have competing, uh, in big fights, I would, I would freeze and I would completely like, I would try to match their intensity. I would, uh, so one time I had a fight with Ronaldo at 2018 Nogi Worlds that uh, a lot of people really liked, and I really liked it too. It was, a, it was an awesome fight. One of the closest fights I've ever had with the guy. But it was a dog fight the whole time. And I don't know why I felt so compelled to match that guy's intensity. That guy's intensity is bonkers. Like I, I can't match that. But I tried to. With Roberto and our match at Fight to Win where my foot got injured, I tried to in 2019 pans, which I imagine is one of the matches you probably saw. I tried to, and I got tired. Like I'm not a cardio machine like they are. And I'm certainly not as aggressive as they are. I, I believe that I'm more of a tactician than an aggressive fighter. Uh, but I can be exciting if I match their intensity. Right. So with Roberto in both those fights, I was very nervous before the fight because I just knew I was going to fight Roberto. Like I was like, man, this guy's he's I got to be ready. got to be ready. And I overthought everything I did. And this, this ties into a little bit of my depression was self doubt, you know, and there would be, it would be, I would doubt myself all the time. Um, it actually wasn't until I beat Hudson that I realized that like what kind of fighter I am and that I can actually beat, 
good people. Like Hudson was ranked number four in the world in medium heavy. He's European champ, Brazilian nationals champ. Like that guy is really, really good. And I beat him. And I was like, man, like, I can't believe I did that. So going into the Roberto fight, I knew exactly what I was going to do. And I knew how I was going to play and that it was going to be different. Uh, and I've taken a, a bit of a turn since then in, in how I do jujitsu. It's not, I don't try to be like rah, 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 rah the whole time. It's like, I want to get grips that I'm comfortable with. And I want to be able to take shots when they're necessary. I want to conserve my energy because I know that there's going to be times where I'm going to need it. Why would I just waste it? Why would I just throw it out there? So and that's I, just the kind of I am. So I have a question now. Do you feel like, because I deal with this a lot now, again, I'm getting older. There's always a new younger guy coming in. These guys are working out when they, I kind of feel like people stop working out with heavier weights once they start doing jujitsu. But um, is, you said you don't try to match their intensity. Is that, mm. does that go hand in hand? Is that synonymous with pulling guard? I'm going to have to pull guard because he's going to be so intense. He's going to be coming hard. That's my option. And then I need to be kind of like, I say, it's like, you know, catch them when they make a mistake. Do those yeah. two things uh, go hand in hand? Do you think? Uh, for me, I like to pull guard. I'm, I'm a guard player. Uh, but I think it's about waiting for your opportunity. Right. So the more I've done jujitsu, I, I believe in being first. But what does being first mean? It means I know what I want and I'm going to get what I want. What do I want? If I want to take down from the outside, I need to make sure that I don't get grips made on me. So I got to take down from the outside and I go for it. Right. If I want them, to, if I'm OK with them making grips and I want to go for a takedown, that implies I want to be on top anyway. So I'm OK with them pulling guard. If I want to pull guard, I got to make my grips and pull guard or I got to look at the competitor. At Blackwood, it's a little easier because you find a lot of the same people mm -hmm. and, you know, Hey, this guy's been competing forever. I can see some tape and I can, you know, know what he's going to do. But I think if you are able to stay patient and sure of your game plan, uh, it can apply to all areas of jujitsu and it, it'll help you become more tactical because I mean, at the black belt level, everybody, everybody is, has a game plan, even Roberto and Ronaldo and all their cane and all their chaos. It's like, there's a game plan there. Mm -hmm. There's a plan I'm there there are attacks that are just throwing at you over and over and over. It's not like they're, you know, blind and just improving. They have a plan. Yeah. It's if, I mean, of the youngsters of the, of the younger guys that have recently been promoted to black belt, is, is he, is he the, the, the guy is, is Roberto him and as the guy, I mean, he's like, he's just been gone like on this amazing tear. Mm -hmm. You know, I mean, uh, I have I had kind of a speed round of questions later. And one of those was going to be, who's the guy that you like to watch? I think that maybe that kind of goes hand in hand with that question later. Who who do you like to watch as a fan? Who is, you know, kind of top of the heap or at least your favorite? Who do you really like to see, you know, battle it out on the mat? So this is an interesting question because uh, two of these guys also want to fight. Right. But so. uh Izaki Bayens is one. Izaki Bayens, in in my opinion, is the most explosive athlete in jiu-jitsu. He, uh, his speed and his precision in the midst of his speed with his passing is just ridiculous to watch. I mean, we saw him at BJJ Stars. He looked unreal. He beat Gustavo Batista. And Batista, this is like a month after Batista walked through me. Like, he passed my guard so easy, I might as well have called the 202 Highway. <laughs> so it's he passed it crazy, right? And Izaki made him look like, hey man, I know your whole game. Like it wasn't like a blowout, but it was like Izaki was a step ahead the whole fight. And I felt like I was 15 steps behind in my match with Gustavo. I just played a very incorrect game plan with Gustavo, and uh, I would never have known 
how to play against him unless I fought him once. So now after that, hopefully I do better next time. But uh, Izaki's one. Also Leandro Lowe. I think Leandro Lowe uh, shows time and time again that understanding rule sets and understanding how your game applies to rule sets is paramount at the highest level. Look at, I mean, he beat Izaki. And not only did he beat Izaki, he knew what he had to do to beat Izaki and implemented it. He's able to play around the edges. He's not like one of the Luna brothers. I don't know if you're familiar with the Luna brothers, but Mateus and Machias Luna um, are twin brothers who are super smart. And grappling them is very difficult because you're also like, it's almost like they have the rule book in their right hand and they're making grips with their left. You know, they're very, very smart. And gra- when you grapple them, it's always going to be a close fight because they know, okay, I'm in a bad position. Let's go out of bounds. Leandro is the same way, but he mixes in this aggression that is very difficult for the person on the other side to perceive. So you, you don't know when he's going to be aggressive and explode or when he's going to like be passive. So it's it, watching him is like watching a fighter IQ of like way up there. Like he's got a really high fighter IQ. Um, so watching those two are really awesome. Uh, watching Roberto is exciting, but it's exciting for like everyone. It's everybody can be excited by Roberto's game because it's very, very, very aggressive. But the thing is, you live and you die by the sword. We saw him at Pan Ams versus Felipe Andrew get footlocked because he went for a footlock against a footlock guy. And Roberto's okay living and dying by the sword. He even says that. He's not going to change the way he grapples. Um, and I think that that's admirable. But I also don't think that it is uh, – what's the word I'm looking for? It's not like you can't do it forever, right? You, it, he can't play like that forever because it won't work. His body won't be able to take it. Uh, it's like Andrew Wiltsey from Daisy Fresh. His body won't be able to take the way he the way he trains. Uh, Roberto, I hear, is very healthy and takes very good care of his body. Um, so he probably will have a longer career than Andrew yeah. Wiltsey. And I love Andrew. Andrew's a friend of mine as well. But I mean, I, I told him, like, you got to calm down. Like, you got to go to a doctor and like get some of that stuff worked on because you're going to hurt yourself. Do I, do I think Roberto is the next guy of the of the new generation? I think uh, if we're talking about the generation after Kynan, he's definitely up there. But Kynan is gonna Kynan Dwarch is gonna win for a long time. Granted, he is he doesn't uh, slip up again and 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 have Usada breathing down his neck. Uh, I think he'll be the I think he'll be the guy that he'll probably lose like maybe three times a year. I think <laughs> and so, three matches a year. Talk to me about the rule sets a little bit again. I'm I'm a newbie to this world of this kind of comp- you know competitive jujitsu, uh, the fight to wins, the the who's number one. This is new for me. So help me understand kind of the rule sets, like like fight to win versus like is it if you go out of bounds in one organization, you'll get started standing up or you'll take the same position. Is that kind of stuff? Is that what you mean? Reaping the knee, not reaping. Explain that to me. Because look, I was gonna say, explain it like uh, I'm an idiot. I'm an idiot when it comes to this stuff. There's a reason why we call well, this jujitsu dummies. You know, I, I I'm always looking to learn. So talk to me about that a little bit. Well, I, lo- I love the name of the podcast. By the way, I thought <laughs> it was originally logo. supposed to be Jujitsu Idiots, but then I said maybe that's a little bit too strong. Uh, but I wanted to be a really little... stupid guys. Yeah. Whoa, dude. <laughs> I wanted I wanted everyone to know number one that we weren't taking ourselves too seriously. We're not out here, you know. I'm I'm a purple belt. I started when I was at purple. Started the podcast at purple. I didn't want anybody to think that I was out here giving advice like I was a black belt. I wa- I did want to learn. It w- that was the biggest thing for me. We were also a kind of a round table. We started out having like five people on the podcast all the time covid kind of changed us to a little bit more of the interview style like we're doing here today but i usually have at least two co-hosts in the studio uh 
Um, and, and those guys I still have in, but because of COVID, it kind of just changed things. We also really like to have people in the studio, which, by the way, we're moving the studio to Miami. Uh, we film in my house. We're going to be in a, in a different place, in a studio. So I'll be able to invite guys like you if you're ever in Florida. Hey, come on in. I want to have I want to have that conversation again in a roundtable. And we're just shooting, you know, you know, going back and forth, asking questions and talking about jujitsu. So, again, with that being said. I, you know, again, I am the dummy. I'm the main dummy here. Talk to me a little bit about the, um, you know, uh, the, the rule sets. Funny enough, one little thing before I talk about the rule sets. Uh, fight, uh, Seth did try to get me on a show in Miami in January. So I'm going to have to come right. by. But anyway, uh, the rule sets. So of the submission-only rule sets, there is submission-only no, uh, submission no time limit, which is a lot of the who's number one rule set, um, especially when Gordon fights. Uh, because that's, I mean, that's just like, they call it the purest rule set, meaning if it goes out of bounds, they're going to restart you. Will it be in a submission? That's kind of dependent on who's running the submission only uh, rule set. Generally, when you get reset, you do not get reset in a submission in most rule sets because it's just, it's just unfair. If I have a toehold and it's not tight and you reset me, I'm going to tighten the toehold even if I'm not, even if I'm not an, uh, or if I am an honest person, just by the nature of the fact that you're resetting me in a toehold. Um, then there is the submission only rule sets that have points like fight to win fight to win. There is sort of points like every submission attempt, depending on the severity of it, will give you certain points. Even slams give you points that are not shown to you, but are shown uh, in the ref's minds. And then that's how they determine decisions. I think fight to win has a great model as a rule set, but it could be applied by different refs more like we could have more fair decisions uh or maybe a better tracking system uh then you have the point rule sets such as adcc these are I'm, I'm, these are the nogi ones uh adcc and uh now ibjf is introducing heel hooks in 2021 so adcc is more of like it's going to cater to submission grapplers outside of jiu-jitsu as well it's trying to be fair for all of them such as you know sambo wrestling jiu-jitsu judo can all do adcc and be effective right obviously jiu-jitsu is the most effective of all of them it's been proven time and time again uh so as far as like being smart with the rules ibjjf is the gold standard Every, I think everybody should be able to say IBJJF is a gold standard. If you complain about the IBJJF, it's because you don't know the rules. Um, the rules are not they, – they, they lend themselves towards progression. Uh, so a sweep is two points. Neon belly is two points. Passing the guards, three points. Mount is four points. As the position gets worse, as the action becomes more impactful, you get more points, right? If you go out of bounds uh, with a submission on like – it gets a little, you know, there's a lot of rules, obviously, but it also all makes sense. So Leandro knows, for instance, uh, if he gets put in a single leg and he is fa- his back is facing the out of bounds, if the guy drives a single leg, Leandro is going to let him and he's going to stay on his feet because that guy drove Leandro out of bounds and now Leandro only gave up an advantage, right? Okay. So, but if Leandro turns, like, if Leandro uh, let's say his back is facing the middle of the ring and he's on the edge. If he violently turns his back and like runs out of bounds on purpose and the referee knows that, then he gets a penalty. Do you see how it's mm-hmm. like, it has to be natural. It has to be like the rules are, are catered towards people who do honest jujitsu. And uh, Leandro knows all of this. He knows the rules so well that he puts himself in positions in the fight where that has to happen in his favor. So it's still honest jujitsu but it's using the rules to your advantage. It's not like he's being dishonest and like, like he won't, he won't accept the penalty. 
Um, or he will, if there's like a situation, like, you know, you're both stalling and he'll accept the penalty because then it's essentially nothing happened. You're just getting warned. So with all those, with all these rule sets and everything like that, that's why I think jujitsu, I have a, I have an opinion that, yeah, okay. How many football rule sets are there? College and NFL, you know, or an arena, I guess. But like, those are what three rule sets for uh, the entire sport of football is three rule sets that people know of. I mean, there might be what flag football, but come on, dude. we're talking about, we're talking about pros here. So um, with all that being said, how many rule sets did I just name? And there's more like there's the NABJJF, IBJJF, NAGA, EBI, which I think is stupid. Uh, sorry. I think <laughs> sorry, Eddie. Rule set super, super <laughs> dumb. Hey man, Eddie Bravo. No problem with Eddie Bravo. I hate his rule set. Uh, submission only, no time limit. Uh, ADCC, IBJJF, Nogi, which is now different. Uh, I mean, I can go on and on with all these combat jujitsu, which I, I'd like to get your opinion on as well. Uh, I mean, that's, a, that's a whole different beast, but you can any, ask me. any interest in that. Me. When I'm done, when I'm yep. done, rant. <laughs> uh, and then there's Third Coast Grappling, which is in, which is basically EBI and IBJJF put together. Uh, so it's it's there's a lot of rule sets. We should come up with like the gold standard and not stray too far from it. Like, what if we had submission only, no time limit as like a novelty, you know? Uh, fight to win rule set, like reformed fight to win rule set, and IBJJF, IBJJF Nogi. Because ADCC can do IBJJF Nogi rule set and still be just fine. Like, it's it's the same, like, I believe anyway. I think ADCC is great um, because of the ref, like, the if we had ADCC quality refs, refing a, a ibjjf nogi rule set it would probably be a lot better of a tournament uh keeping in mind i think it would still be fair for adcc to have um penalties for pulling guard because then that evens the playing field with wrestlers like okay. if you if you get a penalty for pulling guard or a demerit point i guess it's called an adcc that would be fair but that that would be my opinion anyway you asked me about uh combat combat jiu-jitsu thoughts i'll be honest it's really fun to watch Especially when people like Cody Steele and Hunter Colvin get on, because those guys are dropping bombs, man. Yeah. Hunter Colvin, uh, Hunter Colvin is a that guy is a sweetheart. Like we had him on the show, and I'm talking to him like, dude, you, <laughs> you, you hit this poor guy. He loaded up a palm strike, and it's not a it's not a slap. It is a palm strike. That's like mm -hmm. punch Straight. with your, you no. Know? And uh, I I think again, it's a novelty. Like I don't think it should be. It's basically like okay, we don't want to do MMA, so we're gonna do palm strikes mm -hmm. on the ground. No. Um, so I, I don't really have too much of an opinion on it. I will never do it. I, I don't think I'll ever do that. Uh, not that I, like I said, I've trained MMA before. It's not like I don't want to get hit in the head. It's just like, we'll do, uh, like, we'll do an MMA fight if I'm going to get hit. Like, yeah. <laughs> get my nose broken by a palm strike. I don't want that. That'd suck. Or get slapped by someone who doesn't know what they're doing. Like, yeah, I, don't, I, I don't feel it's, it's very real, realistic. You know, if I'm if I did get into a fight and I had to use my jujitsu and I'm on the ground, I'm probably not going to be slapping this person. There's going to be you know fists and elbows involved, most likely. I think, and that most people would say that. Yeah, you'd be pulling yeah. hair. <laughs> my producer, yeah. did you hear my, my, my producer Bo? <laughs> he said I'd be pulling hair. He said I'd be pulling oh, hair. <laughs> yeah. So I, I just I think it's a cool novelty. It's fun mm -hmm. to watch. I'd love to commentate it. Yeah. Uh, so if the if, if the owners of EBI or I think <laughs> I think I think I don't think uh, Eddie's gonna <laughs> catch you about with EBI. Oh, because I said it wasn't dumb. <laughs> You're like, ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the dumbest. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just kidding. No, I will never hate on it or bash on it. I just think it's dumb. It's like it's not. 
the EBI rule set lends itself to people who want to stall until EBI overtime. Okay. Like yeah. it's like you don't have to do anything. There's no stalling. There's no lack of like I saw Ronaldo Jr. versus I think it was Kyle Chambers, I think is his name. Both very talented. But Kyle knows the EBI rule set and Ronaldo doesn't. You know, and even though Ronaldo may have been like, Yeah, yeah, I get it, get the submission, whatever. Kyle Chambers defended. He got his guard passed like three times in the fight. Ronaldo couldn't get the submission. It went to EBI overtime, and Kyle Chambers won on ride time. It's like that is not a fair fight. That is not, it's like you don't have to do anything for all of regulation. You might as well just make the whole match EBI overtime. And then they did that. And then they had a the EBI had a tournament called EBI overtime. And it's Where like they, they start in they start in the submission, right? And like, man, that was so I didn't even watch it. I, I, because I, it's like it's not a jujitsu match. I think that like there. Okay, submission only no time limit. Time limit makes sense. EBI rules would make more sense if there was any reason at all to do anything in regulation. There is no reason to do anything in regulation. You, why would you? Why would you even be aggressive? Mm-hmm. Other than like you want to get the fight over with, right? But people who know they're not good, like if you go in a match, right? And you know, okay, this person is more dangerous than me. You can put them in a position where they're like you you are just as dangerous as them because of a coin flip or because I don't know, you were more aggressive during the time. Third coast does this too, but third coast's rules are harder for me to understand because if you don't score eleven points, if you don't win by eleven, uh or I think it's you have you to break eleven. Score. You just have to you have to get at least eleven. Okay, okay. Right? You have to get at least eleven, right? And then you win. But if you don't, it's overtime. So you like, could get man. ten points. Your opponent could get zero. You go into an overtime, and they could they could win. I, I, yeah. I watched the last couple. Yeah, you either choose Which close guard bottom. I was very confused by. Top. It was very confusing. Yes, you could either choose close guard bottom, close guard top, or both on your feet. Right. Felipe Andrew passed my guard in regulation, and I don't feel like like I almost won. I almost won in overtime. I almost passed his guard. Man, do you, I wouldn't have felt good. I would have been like, man, all right, well, shoot. I'm glad that this overtime rule exists because yeah. I got my guard pass in regulation. Now, and now hats off to – just real quick, hats off to those guys because after the uh, – they came out with like six or seven events. Like I guess they had backed up events, and they, re- I think they really did a good job. And I know for me as a newbie, I'm asking these questions. I would love to see these things improved, and, and I feel like they, I think they did with running those mm-hmm. six or seven events like back to back over a couple of months. I know that they came out and improved some of their rule sets. So no, you know, for me at least, me personally, I you know, I'm really starting to love this side of things. But when I see something like, uh, I'm I'm almost positive it was the last, who's number one, Elizabeth Clay's fight, where the refs come out and they raise the flag. And yeah. they awarded it to her, but then they took it away from her a second later because they, you know, the, the judge, did, did you see that? Am, am I citing the right fight? Was it the Elizabeth oh, Clay uh, fight? With, uh, with Gabby Garcia? Uh, no, it was the fight after that. It was the, her, uh, the next one that she just, she oh. like lost whatever belt she had. I guess it was a championship. Was wedded? I, I don't remember the, the other that was, girl's that name. That wasn't who's, if it's okay. a flag. Not, it's not who's number one. Okay, so then it, was, then it was fight to win. And I've seen several times where it happened like this, where the refs will raise the flag, look at each, the other guys, and then go like this, you know, and, and then raise the other flag. I've seen that happen at least a couple of times, and I'm like, what's going on? You said something before about being a little bit more transparent with the points. Like, it's supposed to be sub only, but there is kind of points because then they come out with the flags. I, I mean, that, that's very confusing to me. And then, again, it kind of feels like, and I'm not throwing rocks here. I'm not throwing stones. 
it feels almost like there's a little bit of a fix when you see somebody do that, look at the other the refs, and then raise the other flag. It's kind of like, you know, as a spectator, it's kind of like, what just happened there? Yeah, I think it's as simple as having a piece of paper in front of you. And uh, I'll show you a quick uh, diagram. So let's say I make a circle for a, <laughs> a line for a pretty good submission attempt and an X for a really close submission attempt. All you have to do is sit there and watch. Okay, that was, that was all right. And then you just count all of them up and be like, yeah. all right, cool. This one, it's that simple, right? Hold it in your hand. And But, but here's the thing. The human beings have this incredible ability to mess things up. And this is not a shot at anybody. Everybody makes mistakes, right? I don't know. I'm not going to say the fight to win rigs anything because the fight to win has never sh showcased any signs of rigging or fixing or fixing. Seth is Seth is a lot of, can be called a lot of things, right? But he can't be called a dishonest guy. Uh, he's treated me very, very well. And in times where uh, he thought I didn't win the match, but I won it anyway, he's like, yeah, I don't think you won. And, uh, and I was like, well, all right. I, I appreciate you being honest. You know what I mean? Like I still won, but I appreciate you being honest. Uh, and he would just, and he will, he will talk with everybody. Great. Uh, so I don't think that's it, but I do think that, you know, human, like there was a time in the, my coach brings this up all the time. It was a time in the NBA finals, a guy got the ball and ran the opposite direction. He didn't, he didn't, uh, he didn't run the right way. And it's like, man, you've been playing basketball since you were yay big and you messed up that. Right. So, you know, we, as humans, we definitely have the ability to mess up. And, uh, I, as far as the third coast rule set goes with all these rule sets that I think are like, you know, hard to understand or they're dumb. I don't like hate the people making the rule sets. I think the rule sets are flawed. Right. And I think that every rule set will be flawed. Even the NFL rule set is flawed for the NFL. Like there's some things that just don't either. They don't make sense or they're hard to figure out. People can mess things up. Right. So, uh, and I, I love third coast. I love uh, Ryan McGuire and his whole crew down there. They have, they have treated me very well as well. They gave me two opportunities to fight in the midst of a pandemic. Uh, I really, man, I was, I was, uh, <laughs> I was definitely going through it during the pandemic for sure. And, uh, you know, he, he gave me a great opportunity to come out there. He paid for my flight, paid for my hotel. It was, he treats all the fighters amazingly. And, uh, and I had a lot of fun on the show, dude. And, uh, but I do think his rule set is very hard to understand. Um, granted, I mean, I like submitting people. So if I submit people in regulation, it's like, yay no rule set you know i have to worry about it but yeah i just think it's it, like all these rule sets they just get a little murky a little get, get a little gray you know okay so let's uh, let's change directions here a little bit and, and this is completely opinion and and we've talked about these things on the show so i you know definitely want to get a competitor's take on this i believe flow grappling's got a new show i've seen a couple of the promos about american jujitsu hmm. right there's this i i I've talked about this that I've seen this for more than a couple of years because there are some UFC fighters that call their style American Jiu-Jitsu. What are your thoughts on this? And I, I don't want to add fuel to the fire, but with that show being launched, it kind of feels like it's coming where it's, well, this is American Jiu-Jitsu versus Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu. What, what are your thoughts on people kind of separating the two now? Do you uh, have an opinion? I, my opinion is that it's dumb. Uh, <laughs> Like I, man, how for me, I just don't, I don't care to attach a label at the end of the day, dude, do you know that people in Brazil, from what I've heard, they don't even call it Brazilian jiu-jitsu. It's jujitsu, yeah. you know, like we could all call it jujitsu at the end of the day, this whole thing started in Japan. <laughs> yeah. So it's like, we don't call it Japanese jujitsu. We had to differentiate yeah. it from that. Okay. What do America, what do people who do American jujitsu, what do they do so differently that they call it American jujitsu? 
right? I know Keenan refuted some of the things that he, uh, that people were coming under. He was coming under fire. He's like, oh, we do American jiu-jitsu. And people were like, man, you're not giving respect to Brazilian jiu-jitsu. And he's like, no, 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 I do it because, you know, America's a melting pot. And my gym is some, a melting pot of people. And it's like, hey, that's respectable. But you had to have known that that was going to get people upset. Um, I will never, I call it jiu-jitsu, man. I'm a jiu-jitsu athlete. Uh, even like my logo, I didn't want to put Jake Watson Brazilian jiu-jitsu. I put Jake Watson jiu-jitsu because at the end of the day, it doesn't matter, right? Mm-hmm. We all are competing in Brazilian jiu-jitsu tournaments, you know? And like even the American Grappling Federation with Brandon Quick, uh, he calls it American grappling. He won't like, you're not allowed to say combat or bato when you're a ref, you have to say start or, or, uh, or grapple and stop. And I'm like, I'm like, you know, I, have trained ref at, at one point I went to the, uh, in 2017, I went to the rules course and I was like, I was like, Pato. And he's like, Hey dude, don't say Pato. I was like, it's like, but that's such a small thing. Like who cares? It's, it's a little bit more of a kind of like a, 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 a respect thing. Uh, an ode, yeah, an ode to where it came from more than I've got to say this because that's the only way it could be real, the real Brazilian jiu-jitsu. Yeah. I, and for me, dude, like, I don't, uh, I don't care. Like, I don't know why people care so much. Uh, I think, I think it's, uh, it's another thing for people to attach a label to, to make themselves, you know, like, and I love Keenan Cornelius. I think he's a, he's a, uh, he's been nice to me, you know? Uh, but I, I don't understand it. I, I, I don't think it's necessary to attach a label to jujitsu. At the end of the day, we do jujitsu. At the end of the day, I tell people I do jujitsu. I'm a jujitsu black belt. Okay. I, I, I think I, I believe that I say the same thing. I just say jujitsu. I very, unless I'm tagging a photo on Instagram, I'm almost never using BJJ, you know? Yeah. Or unless somebody says, oh, jujitsu, like Japanese jujitsu. I'm like, no, actually, uh, Brazilian jujitsu. You know what I mean? Because yeah. some people ask it, oh, jujitsu, I've heard of that. And then, like, is that like karate? And I'm like, you want to die? I'm just kidding. But, uh, <laughs> I don't, you know, <laughs> the high, yeah, I got a high, yeah, from a guy at work yesterday. It threw an instant message. Uh, or he said, no, no, I'm sorry. He said, uh, uh, yeah, I do, I do sales. I, I, I'm a marketing exec by day and I do sales. I talk to new clients. So, uh, he sends me a client, a, a call, uh, and he chatted me and he said, um, uh, you know, he, he, he put it, who wants this lead? I said, Hey, I'm available. And he goes, here you go. Go get him, Sensei. <laughs> uh. and, and I did, and I could. It was like a group chat of all the sales staff. So I could. I wanted to go back, and I'm just like, they're not going to get it. They're they. It's martial arts. He, they're thinking. So I said, got it! Exclamation! Hi ya! So I did it. I was just like, fuck it. Uh-huh. What am I going to oh, do? So sure. <laughs> I threw the hi ya back at him because he's. Uh, you're because, the, you're um, the guy who said that. I'm the guy I'm that kidding. said the hi ya after he called me Sensei. <laughs> How dare you? You yeah, right? <laughs> yeah. they, they just wouldn't get it. And then it's like, there goes Milton talking about jujitsu like, again. <laughs> like, Ulf's brother. Yeah. <laughs> before I'm out there. I can't, you know, I can't do with, I can't do a natural thumbs up anymore. <laughs> Whenever I go to give somebody oh, a yeah. thumbs up, it's just, it's just there. It's just sticking out. Man, what am I going to do? Like, but, hey, later. Yeah. All you. <laughs> All right, I'm married. Anyway. All right, so let's uh, let's talk a little bit about your podcast. Uh, you know, tell me, you know, again, does this come from kind of the commentating itch? What what drove you in, into podcasting? Because again, for me, and, and let me just kind of tell you this: I probably I've said this a million times to my people on the show, and uh, and our listeners have heard it, but this it, this was me going out for beers with my friends, going and hearing stories again from like my black belt friends. And I'd be like, oh, my God, we could, I wish we could record that because a white belt really needs to hear that. And that's where it was born for me. How did you get your start? Why, why did you get into podcasting? So me and my friend 
who wasn't my friend at the time, but he, he was like my, like, uh, I knew him mm-hmm. and I, I was competing in it. I've been competing in Arizona since I was 12 or 13 years old. When I was around 15, I met this guy named Daniel Donald and he, he wrote articles for our, we, Arizona has its own Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu Federation where we mm-hmm. do tournaments five years a year. And, uh, Danny would write articles for the website and he would interview me. He would send me messages and then we'd see each other at the tournaments and then we would talk. And every time I went back, I'd be like, Hey, you handsome bastard. What's up? And I walk up and I talked to him for like 15 minutes. Then eventually I just started messaging him because I realized Danny knows a lot about jujitsu. And first I just thought I wanted to start a website and, uh, I, I have a, I'll tell you after the show what the name is just in case, uh, just in case somebody on here wants to steal my idea. (laughs) I, I was going to start a website, which eventually would manifest itself to be the Open Guard cast. But I was like, hey, man, you want to start a website together? Like, let's start a website where we post articles about jujitsu and like we write articles. So we met at a coffee rush, and then Danny had a podcast open. And uh, I remember just being like, like we had been talking a little bit about, a, about like, oh, what about a podcast? And I was like, I don't know. You know, I don't really want to know if I want to, but I do love talking. And I was pretty skeptical at first because interviewing other people is way different than getting interviewed. Like I, I, I feel like either way I ramble, you know, but uh, interviewing people was something I'd never done before. And so Danny uh, had the podcast open. I was like, dude, let's just do the podcast. Like what name do you want to make it? And so I came up with a bunch of names. Like uh, the, I, I wanted to name it, you know, this or that. And then I was like, oh, what about the open guard cast? And he was like, dude, that's it. Like that's the, the open guard is going to make it. And then before we knew it, we didn't even like schedule. We didn't plan. We just did an episode and we just talked about fight to win where Marcio Andre beat Ben Henderson. And then we just kept going like once a week, we were just making a podcast and then we did it twice a week. And uh, we had John Combs on, on our, on our third episode. And he would later go on to choke me uh, at Jits King. Which... <laughs> We've had him on as well. He's a good guy. I like him. Yeah, we love him. We love him. Uh, he, uh, he, he also tackled almost, he almost tackled me into fight to win equipment when I fought Mateus Luna in uh, Philadelphia, but, uh, it was, it was just kind of like this thing that we, this huge undertaking that we just kind of dove into and we're on episode, uh, 64 now, I believe we're on episode 64. So we're, we're, we're chugging along. I really, yeah. I really, really enjoy it. Danny is a great human being. Um, what's funny is. I went into podcasting with someone I barely knew and somehow by some weird blessing, we have just literally, we've realized that we're almost the same person. Like Danny is goofy. Just like I am. He talks a lot, just like I do. And he, he's just like, he's so insanely like me that it freaks us out sometimes that like, he'll do like a voice. Cause I do a lot of voice impressions and stuff like that. And I, I'm, I'm I, when I was a kid, funny enough just like a little allusion back to why i wanted to be in 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 acting and stuff like that uh i wanted to be a voice actor for cartoons when i was a kid because i i I realized early on that like there's people who are like doing the voices of these uh and i want to be able to do those so uh i still want to actually i want to do that like on the on the side but uh, something i am into also my my producer bo is over here nodding his head because two things number one he and I have the exact same sense of humor. So the second he walks yeah. in the door, it's like fart jokes and really stupid stuff that no everyone else looks at us and, and, mm-hmm. and yeah, <laughs> everyone else looks at us and thinks that we're idiots. Uh, but yeah. uh, but he actually does. Uh, he's he's you know he's a superstar producer and he you know if you, you see the other side of the the camera here, he's just amazing at the setup. But he also does uh, a little character. Uh, what is it called again? Left left hander. Oh, left hander. 
Left hand. He does a little character where he films it with with glasses, and he does it, it's on Instagram. Um, okay. But he also he's he's getting into some voiceover work now as well. Actually, so uh, so you just kind of described not only our relationship is similar to yours, and he's looking to do some yeah, of those same actually, things. Uh, I'm gonna him. want his contact information, please, okay. because I, I would to, love to. Tell him to go to at handy wisdom handy <laughs> underscore wisdom on on Instagram. All right, cool, at cool. Underscore wisdom. All right, all lowercase. Yeah. Yes. Andy under wisdom. Yeah, you'll you'll see it. It's a, it's a hand wearing glasses. It's it's kind of I funny. Got it. <laughs> I love doing stuff like that. Yeah. You know, on my platform, I love being funny. I love entertaining, and I love doing voices. Like I always have. I did like a, a lot of different impressions ever since I was a kid, and uh, and it just kind of became something I wanted to make a part of like my platform in jujitsu. Yeah. So people come up to me really weird at the tournament. Like I'll be talking to people who I'm gonna fight, like joking with them, trying to make friends, and they're like goofy gringo kid and like what is it you know? so do you talk well do i you roll I, I i i my wife is learning this every day i've been married for a year now with her for seven years but to this day it's like i just say what's on my mind no matter how stupid it is i love to mm -hmm. joke around and play i actually do that when when i roll i could be in the toughest role ever and it sometimes it's about distracting my opponent most of the time it's just because i can't stop being stupid and saying, I love to talk and joke around while I roll. And when I say joke, make jokes, not do something stupid that's going to hurt somebody. But are you a talker when you roll? Or are you just kind of like straightforward and, you know? It depends on who I'm going with. Yeah. Like my buddy, John Viper, he's one of my closest friends, and he will talk the whole time. And he will just talk crap the whole time. Like I'll do a sweep and I'll sweep and he'll be like, that's cute. And they'll try to sweep me back and it won't work. <laughs> you know, he'll be like, you bastard. <laughs> but i don't like to curse so i i keep it uh, under wraps but he i it's pretty funny but uh it depends like okay so i i, I don't know if you are familiar with josh mckinney he has a podcast called the i suck at uh i suck at jujitsu show okay <laughs> uh, and it's about awesome. self-deprecating i thought i did a good <laughs> right, job <laughs> right i should have named my show a really tall stupid dumb uh, but i uh i i had him in the final and me and him are already friends you know and so he tries to sweep me uh, and it gets up on his shoulder and he's under the leg. And I just took a, I'm, I'm six, three and a half and he's about five, 10. So I just kind of took a step back and I, he didn't sweep me. And he like let out a big deep breath and he was like, that is just ridiculous. <laughs> like, middle <laughs> night. and I just started dying laughing. Like, I'm like sweating, like laughing in the finals of American Nationals, like really laughing. And uh, me and him were just like laughing together for a second in the middle of the fight. And then the ref, you know, it's like, all right, guys, you guys got to, you know, we're fighting here. Uh, but other than that, it depends on who I'm going with. You know what I yeah. mean? I, I usually focus, uh, like I, I try to put myself in a really calm state of mind because I understand that like, as I've done more jujitsu, the more I've realized that if I just stay calm, like that's why when, you know, planes are crashing, they say, stay calm because you need to stay calm to do what they're going to tell you to do. If you freak out, you're not going to be good. It's like if somebody's passing your guard, you got to stay calm. Otherwise, you're not going to act appropriately. You're not going to act in a way that is befitting of the situation. You have to be, okay, where am I at? Uh, how am I going to position myself? What am I going to do? Those are the three things my professor tells me. Where am I at? I'm getting my guard passed. How am I supposed to position myself? All right, my hips are here. I need to put them here. What am I going to do? All right, I need to make grips. I need to get my feet in between me. And that's with every given situation. It does. It gets broken down just like faster, faster, faster as time goes on the, mm -hmm. that you do jiu-jitsu. So for right now, like one thing I, I've learned that I've learned uh, to kind of 
add to my game is just like, I don't need to go super fast. I just need to get grips that I like. Once I have grips that I like, it's about positioning myself properly to be able to fight this fight. I got 10 minute fights, man. Like, I don't know. I don't want to fight like a madman for all those 10 minutes. I want to fight as much as I need to, to get what I want done. And if something happens to me, I'm going to act accordingly. That's how I do jujitsu. Yeah. One of the things that I did, uh, and uh, again, my listeners have heard this. You'll probably be hearing this for the first time. I had a heart attack going on. It's almost three years now. Uh, so my game had to completely change. I definitely had better cardio before. Um, you know, it's uh, with the meds that I take, my heart rate gets goes up very quickly. So I've had to learn how to play with that a little bit. I, I've had to learn how to stay calm, get on top. Sometimes I might get on top of somebody and be able to take a little bit of a breath and they might be going like, are you okay? Are you stopping? And like, no, like I'm controlling them. I mean, I'm not completely stopping, but I'm on mm-hmm. slow motion in a sense. I'm not yeah. just going to grab you because I can't, my heart's not going to keep up with me. Uh, one yeah. of the things that I did was, and I've been doing this for a while, but even more so after the heart attack was I would go on to YouTube and search sneaky BJJ submissions. Uh, and, and it was like my intro, really what winds up usually coming up is a lot of wrist lock stuff, you know? So I, I had to find some tricks that when I'm on the bottom and I've got that athletic kid with like cardio for months, you know, and he just, he doesn't stop. I had to find those tricks. I found like my base, I got a really good, you know, baseball ba- uh, bat choke from the bottom that I discovered early on because of that. And, and again, a lot, it, it's usually a lot of wrist lock stuff. So that's where I've, my game has kind of had to evolve. I'm trying to get okay. better with the cardio, but again, like just the, the meds, as soon as I start, you know, rolling at the heart, the heart rate goes up. My heart's not going to explode, but it just, it just changes for me. So I'll make a deal. With, I'll make a deal with you. Uh, if I come out to Miami, Right. And I get on the show. Uh, do you ever throw lasso guard at all? No. Uh, again, big guy in the middle. So like sitting up is not the most comfortable. You know, it's like, okay. I mean, I'm not huge and fat, but definitely things where I have to sit up. It's not usually my game. Uh, I'm okay. a little bit more of a and and it's kind of like just a staple of my game right now. It's because it's my coach and he's taught it to us is is the lockdown. I get real uh, I like in the lockdown and then maybe get to sweep or, you know, kind of do the banana split of the electric chair. I usually can, gotcha. you know, guys at my level that are, that I'm training with, you know, usually we call it the peepee splitter. You know, usually if I can get the leg over my shoulder, they're, they're usually going to tap in there. And I, and I'm learning now kind of like, okay, there's a foot lock right here and, and uh, getting yeah. a little bit better with, cause we don't, uh, we don't do a lot of knee bars. We haven't done a lot of leg stuff at my level, but now we're starting to really introduce it. So now learning a little bit more about this. That's usually my game, something where I can control my pace, which means I have to control your pace. So the lockdowns are a really good way of me doing that. Cause when they start yeah. just kicking around, flailing around, they don't know how to get out of the lockdown. That's where I'm able to recover and then get them with the sneaky stuff. For sure. I was going to, I'll come up with a couple sneaky things that I can yeah. show you when I come. Awesome. Down. Awesome. Yeah, man. Uh, so we're going to be moving into that studio. It, it's Bo's telling me we're probably going to be able to start kind of finishing set up the beginning of January. So I'm hoping that the last, co- we usually film twice a month on Saturdays. Uh, we want to kind of kick that up. That's part of this too, being able to have a little bit more flexibility outside of my home where I got like my wife and my daughter, like don't go on the internet. You're going to screw up my connection. Like we're in that position right now. But w- when we go to the studio, we'll be able to kind of open it up a little bit to not only guests coming in, you know, with COVID we've kind of kept yeah. people out of the house. So we'll be able to get people to come in uh, and then we'll be able to kind of go back to our old format where it's more of a round table. Uh, but yeah, you know, t- 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 when is that, when is that match? When is, cause we're looking probably more. 
22nd. Okay. It would be January. But it's not confirmed yet. Yeah. Like I'm gonna talk to Seth uh after this uh the filming wraps up, but uh only I don't know what it's gonna yeah. happen because that'll, I that'll be for good the- for us. That that'll be good because late late the later in January we'll probably film like the last two Saturdays. And again, we might be able to open it up for like we take shooting as well, but we'll talk to to talk to Bo about that. So I heard that wasn't me, but I heard the <laughs> I heard the part. I, I, me, I'm just getting a message. Oh, that was you. Okay, we thought it sounded like a fart on our end. <laughs> All right, so listen, we've got some listener questions uh, before uh, we get into our little speed round here. So you actually, I guess, uh, some I posted for questions, and this uh, Zachary Adams, I think he sent this yeah. to you. Uh, he says, "What kept you motivated?" And we, I mean, we might have talked about this a little bit. What kept you motivated, and what steps did you take during the struggles and obstacles in your journey? And what was or is your biggest doubt on achieving success. Did you get all that? I know you saw this question already, so you've, uh, you've read yeah. this before. Uh, my biggest doubt on achieving success comes a lot from uh, just my own, kind of the way I was raised and the, uh, the sort of environment I grew up in. Uh, a lot of the response I was given from people around me due to my success, what, it was almost like I had a conditional love, right? Like I, It was almost like everybody would talk to me about what I was doing if I was winning or like even like my, uh, my, my, my parents' friends, uh, of some of whom I'm, I'm still in contact with today, they would like lead me to grow up around certain ideologies, uh, namely things that were, would end up being contrary to my Christian faith, such as like sexual immorality and stuff like that. Socially that bled into my career, it made me feel like I didn't have any worth unless I meant something to other people. And so my biggest doubt was that I wasn't actually good enough to, uh, to, to beat people. Right. So, uh, I, I, like I had alluded to before, I struggled with, uh, depression pretty up and down for a while. And when I was low, it would be like, uh, man, like, why are you even training basically? And I would eat really unhealthy. I would, I would, uh, eat like twice a day and it would be like a lot of pastries and a lot of like, like a lot of soda and tea. Um, and then like when I was really high on it, I would eat super healthy and like really good. And I'd eat a lot of food and then I would go back down. And then it's like, I feel like a lot of people ask me if I had bipolar disorder, but I don't, I don't know. Uh, I, I have definitely never felt better than now in my life. And it's been consistent. So, uh, praise God for that. But like I said, my, my, my life took a big change, uh, when I, when I gave my life to Jesus and it was just, it was like an actual real changing of my heart and mind that, uh, I can only thank God for. And I, uh, <laughs> that's how I stay motivated now, but throughout all the time of me growing up, I, I developed a lot of different, um, I have a very addictive personality, uh, just kind of spawning from that time, uh, addicted to some bad things, some good things, jujitsu being the best thing, you know, some bad things here and there. Um, and like socially, I didn't fit in a lot of different ways. So I doubted myself in all areas of my life, not just jujitsu. I wasn't very confident. Uh, I felt like every relationship, uh, the girl was going to leave me because I didn't mean much to them. And, uh, that had to do with, you know, my, my, my biological mother leaving at a very early age. Uh, and that, that was stuff that I dealt with, but, uh, just being transparent. Those are things that I, that, I mean, any athlete who says that their outside life doesn't affect their life, uh, on the mat is, I don't believe they're telling the truth fully because man, when I'm happy off the mat, I'm happy on the mat. When I'm happy on the mat, I'm happy off the mat. I'm just happy. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like I'm living my life. I'm having a fun time. I'm in love with what I do. I'm following the Lord. 
I feel like I'm following the right path. And that doesn't mean that I live a perfect life. It just like, like I say, this is my favorite saying. Uh, my favorite thing to say is like following God doesn't mean that you get a lighter load. It means you get a stronger back, you know? So God of the mountains, God of the valleys, you know what I mean? So when, when like, I mean, I've gone on to, I I've done amazing things. I've been like the highest, you know, I've, I won American nationals. And then there's times where I go out there and I lose my first fight, get submitted. And it's like, oh, what are you going to do? You know, there are times where like, I have like no money and like, I don't know what to do. But then there's times where I, you know, I'm doing good. I'm, I'm managing my finances as well. So it's, it's a mixture of both. The way I stay motivated is by just continuing to live every day, you know, like it's only one day at a time. It's like every fight. You don't get to fight the final unless you get to win the first fight, right? So I got to take every day, every event as it comes. And that's how I stay motivated. And one of the biggest things, one of the biggest uh, doubts is uh, just from literal, literal self-doubt that I had to overcome by realizing the source of my doubt, you know, and then like attacking that being, you know, coming to terms with the fact that there's a reason I feel this way, you know? You, what you said, you said one thing about midway through that answer, uh, it kind of said something about like being weird or awkward. I'm not quoting you. Uh, I always, I love that part of jujitsu. I am friends with people now that I would have never been friends with. I just wouldn't, not that I wouldn't have been friends with them. Like, hey, I'm not going to friend, you know, it, that I just would have never met them. I mean, I'm talking, you know, lawyers, attorney, you know, uh, accountants, um, chefs, you know, security professionals, like, well, you know, junior uh, on the show, he's a black belt. He's a security professional ex Marine. I would have never hooked up with the guys that we defy this. None of this stuff would ever happen. We started a foundation where we award, uh, scholarships to kids. I would have just never found any of this stuff. And I love those awkward guys. I, I love being myself there. I can be the awkward guy and be the stupid, silly guy making the fart jokes in the middle of a role. You yeah. know, that's, that's one of my favorite parts of jujitsu. I just think it's, uh, it's, uh, you know, I, I, that's what I found. And again, my, my circle of friends, other than, you know, Bo's a weirdo and, and uh, I consider him a good friend, but uh, we're, sure, you know, I, I, I'm trying to yeah. get him on the mat. He, he would weird. fit in perfectly in my gym. But, it, you know, that's one of the things that I just love about it. I just, I've just met people and I'm doing things that I would have never done if it wasn't for jujitsu. So, mm -hmm. okay, I've got another question from you. This is from Aurora. Um, the, the handle is Aurora EB underscore BJJ. Yep. What has Aurora been, do you know her? Yeah, she's okay. one of my best friends. Oh, okay, awesome. Okay, good, good. I like when when friends send stuff. Um, what has been your favorite match at at Black Belt so far? Okay, so this is I can answer this on my top three, I think, because I can't say that there's one that trumps all of them. Okay, my first one I ever won against Vinicius Garcia was my I, I got. Uh, before my first black belt tournament, like I said, I wasn't exactly mentally uh, uh, stable. I, uh, I I got like two hours of sleep before the tournament at the Austin Open. And I got quadruple gold in my first black belt tournament. Uh, uh, I won gi and no gi double gold at that tournament. And that blew my mind. I, like, I, was, I was so elated. I was so happy that I couldn't even believe it. So beating my, winning my first black belt match. Uh, by ankle lock. It was by Kyotera ankle lock. Uh, that was like, holy crap. I just won at black belt. You know what I mean? Like I, I did it. Um, so that was one. Uh, second one beating uh, Ronaldo jr. That was big because he, I fought him eight times now and I've beaten him once. And that one time I beat him was at black belt on fight to win. 
so to beat him on that stage by unanimous decision uh, and to beat him like fairly, like I beat him, he, I, uh, no one can really argue that he won that fight. Uh, and like, I love Ronaldo. Uh, he's my brother in Christ too, you know? So he, uh, but he's got like, uh, he's got like this intensity and like this kind of attitude at competitions that I just don't, I don't jive with. Um, but I hope to, that I can be friends with him soon. But he, uh, I beat him and I was like, man, that's a, that's a big win. I finally got that monkey off my back, even though I don't believe there is monkeys on our backs. That's all what's up here, mm-hmm. but it, it was on mine, you know? And then when I beat Hudson and like to put things into perspective, I didn't think I was going to beat Hudson. So like I, I went to the tournament and I think six people told me, Hey dude, watch out for an arm bar. He might break your arm. I'm like, all right, dude, thanks. You know, like I'm about to fight Thank him. You're putting that, that seed my... right there. <laughs> Appreciate it guys. And then I beat him. And I won by unanimous decision. And I remember just being like, oh my gosh, I just did that. Like I, I, st- I stayed awake helping fight to win, uh, take down the stage. And I was like, I can't believe I, I, I like, I told them, I was like, I can't believe I won. And they're like, we can't believe you won either, man. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, why would you even give me the fight if you think I was going to win? But, but anyway. That's awesome. Uh, That's good, man. It, it, those are my top three. All right. Awesome. Okay. So now question number three, this is from Luca. I think it's him and S. Uh, so it's Luca Jimenez uh, JJ on Instagram. What do you think that you need to improve? More? Let me. I got. I'm reading it the way they wrote it. What do you think that you need to improve more when you're training with other people or competing? I guess it's kind of like, do you find game holes in your game that you know do you, that you recognize when you're training? Uh, a lot of it has to do with my 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 health. So, just like my my mental, physical, and spiritual health go into into every single tournament that I do. Uh, mostly I am weaker than about 90% of the competitors I fight. Um, and I think being on the same physical level as my competitors would give me a better chance to implement the kind of game I'm trying to play in the first place, a very slow technical game. One thing that I implemented at American nationals, um, for those watching who watch my matches, they probably noticed I played guard, I think for like a grand total of two minutes in three 10 minute matches. So I was on top for 27 minutes trying to pass. That's something that I've been really working on is my confidence and willingness to pass. I really believe that my ability to pass the guard is good, but I just have to put myself in situations to do it. When I sweep, I have to be like, you know, not hesitant to play, uh, to play top because I believe in my guard is very good. But, uh, my top game is, is just as good in my opinion, uh, if not almost better in some ways, but I, I feel very confident on my back. So that was one thing I really uh, learned. And, you know, just uh, staying even more patient. Like against Juan Gabriel, I like, we spent five minutes of nothing. Like it was nothing was happening. I couldn't make anything happen because Juan Gabriel is huge. And I knew that if I messed up, he was going to pass. But then eventually I got a little impatient. I was like, you know, I want to make something happen here. Like he, we haven't done anything. I've, I got one on the plot I attempt off and I locked it. And then he picked me up and scared me. So I let go. <laughs> and, uh, and then the rest of the fight was just me trying to get back those three points after I opened up and he passed. I got back to my guard by some stretch of my goodness. I tried so hard and I got back to butterfly guard and I was like, I'm going to sweep him. And then I tried to lift him and he was 260 pounds. So I was like, ah, it's not going to happen. So I put him, I kind of like, I think I lifted him like, you know, when captain America lifted Thor's hammer in uh, age of Ultron, it was like, (laughs) I put it back down. That's what it was like. So, uh, then I then I uh, I got my guard passed and mounted later in the fight and I lost ten to zero. But that's what I kind of learned was 
I need to set up grips uh, even better and just pay more attention and, and study more. Like that's more like what I took from uh, this last tournament at least, but that's what I try to do. I try to, I try to play very smart so I don't have to be super tough. You know, like you can either be smart or you can be tough or you can be both. I'd rather be both, but right now I'm working a lot on the toughness because I got a lot of ground to cover. I'm trying to keep this uh, gotcha. sharp. All right, so we've got – I call it a speed round. It's only a speed round because I'm going to let you answer these questions. I'm per, I'm not going to chime in too much here, but feel free to elaborate on any of these. I'm not looking for, for one-word answers. Okay. As it relates to jiu-jitsu, what's your biggest regret? Oh, my goodness. Mm. That Deep. Damn, that's a hard one. <laughs> my biggest regret. You could pass, too, if you need to. No, I just want to think. Like, I didn't think I, that it's funny enough. I didn't, uh, I don't, I don't ever think about this because I don't really live my life regretting too much, especially now. Previously, I would say my biggest regret, my biggest regret. Man, <laughs> this is always a tough one. I gotta, I, I think I have to start putting this one last. Yeah, I was about to say that's <laughs> All right, so we'll, we'll we'll come back to that one. I've got one that's kind okay, of uh, okay. maybe maybe in the in the same realm here. If you could go back in time before and this is talk to the white belt you. You can go back in time, talk to yourself. This is I'm talking about the the moment before you've ever stepped on the mat, stepped on the mat to do jujitsu ever. What would you tell yourself? I would tell myself that I would tell myself that it's okay to accept help. Okay. I feel like many, many times in my life, I try to do things on my own. And uh, that's why it's, it's, it's okay to depend on other people. It's not a bad thing. Okay. Next question. Other than achieving the rank of black belt, which you've already done, what is your ultimate goal in jujitsu? To leave an impact on this sport in the hearts and minds of people and to never spend a single day thinking I have it figured out to, to just every day carry on my mission of spreading the gospel. And I want to, I want to, man, I have a lot that I'm going to do. I'm opening a ministry to where I can uh, effectively lead people. There's a lot of Christian athletes in jiu-jitsu that I want to be a part of it. Uh, I want it to be absolutely, I don't want to make any money off of it. Literally zero. Uh, I want only, I want all, any bit of money it makes or that money that goes into it is all coming from my pocket comes from tournaments that I win so that nobody can say anything about Christianity being corrupt. <laughs> and, uh, and I want to commentate eventually in the UFC. I believe I can do that. I believe that I have all the capabilities of getting up there. Um, and do, I want to, I want to be, you, I want to competition as far as I can. Okay. You know what I mean? But also I can't control how far I can take competition. That's not something that I can control. I could blow my knee out. Then I can't compete, but I can control my voice. Why? Well, I guess I could go mute, but you get my point. Yeah. I, I understand that I can't control everything. You know what I mean? Yeah. Do you have any solid, like, uh, any solid commentating gigs now? Because I know I've seen you compete, and then you run over to the commentating table, and you've and you've sat down, and you've again incredible job. Always like to hear what you have to say. But do you have any solid gigs on on, on the horizon? You know, like, hey, I'm going to this competition to actually commentate, not to compete. Man, I talked to Flo about it and i i want to get in touch with um mma promotions as well so that i can commentate for them uh i think i have the credentials even in jiu-jitsu to be a, a formidable commentator for, for an mma show mm -hmm. and, but man i want to compete i would commentate for anybody like yeah. i know jitting said that next big show they have they would have me out 
Um, whether or not that's still on the table, uh, I'm not sure. Uh, I would love to. And I would love to commentate Third Coast too, but I don't know. I'm, Ryan McGuire is really stuck on his commentators. Yeah. And uh, I've gotten a lot of love messages from people who watch the Third Coast show and they said that I did a great job. And I was like, hey, Ryan, look. Like, and then, uh, <laughs> I'm going to commentate ADCC 2022. Uh, that is going to be ama- such an amazing opportunity. Mo, uh, I think, <laughs> thank God for Mo too. That was a huge opportunity that, uh, and I know Patrick Hamilton, I think is doing it as well, but yeah, I'm going to be commentating ADCC 2022, but, uh, I want to, I want to commentate as much as possible. I don't have any solid gigs lined up, yeah. but man, I would heartbeat. I would tell you definitely, I, I would say if you want to get on the MMA radar is like the fight companion style stuff, like put out a fight companion, you're right. You've seen yeah. Rogan does that. I think that would be a great mm-hmm. way. You know, uh, I'm yeah, a, yeah, I'm a, I, I wish I, I, my love of jujitsu came from my love of boxing, then the UFC, and then I found jujitsu. So mm-hmm. I, I don't get to watch as much as, you know, I got regular nine to five and then I do this at night and on weekends. So it's very hard to kind of keep up with everything, but that's what I, that was my first love is again, you know, boxing then, then, then UFC. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, uh, you know, again, for me personally, uh, you know, jujitsu is the most exciting thing for me right now. Uh, but yeah, I would definitely suggest the, the, the fight companions. I mean, I would tune in and watch that. I would, you know, I'd, I'd turn off Joe Rogan and listen to you for a couple of fights. So, hey. uh, <laughs> all right. So next question. What's the craziest thing that's ever happened to you on the jujitsu mat? Okay, so I'll tell his story, but keep in mind this man is now my friend. All right, this man is now. Uh, his name is Benjamin Silva. So uh, one time I was on the I was on the mat. We were competing, and uh, he just he got he got upset, and he slammed me, and uh, and he. Uh, he yelled at me and called me some mean names, but um, it was in the Pan Am's quarterfinal. And, uh, and then after the fight, we talked and like, it was just a weird thing that happened. And uh, I'm telling this story because it's a great show of uh, his true character to be like understanding and like me and him are friends, you know what I mean? And I, and I, he coached me at Nogi worlds but this was our first experience together was like, I was defending 50, 50, the whole fight. And then eventually, uh, you know, the ref messed up the scoreboard and then it kind of sparked a little bit of verbal back and forth between me and him. And it just goes to show like, you know, people looked a little too far into things and like, he's my friend now he slammed me, got DQ'd and, uh, and he headbutted my chest too. Um, but he got up and he was like really, really heated for like nothing. And, uh, and then afterwards he came backstage and like, we talked and like, we're for, and then every tournament we see each other, I go up and I hug him. It's like, it's just like, that's, that's jujitsu is yeah like that jujitsu is an amazing metaphor for life. You know, like we, we just because, you know, we bend each other's arms and hurt each other. doesn't mean that there was any, you know, we got to look a little bit deeper than, Hey, what happened? We got to look at why did it happen? And that, that guy's my boy now. Yeah. I really love Benjamin Silva and, uh, that was just that was probably the craziest thing that ever happened to me uh, on the mat. Other than one time, um, one time I witnessed a kid named Brock Larkin uh, at a pancreation tournament uh, throw up in top mount. Like he 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 was in top mount and he threw up right next to the kid's head. Mm. Disgusting. Wow. All right. Uh, favorite move or position? What's your favorite, favorite move or position? My favorite position is uh, collar and sleeve. Uh, but followed closely by single leg X. My favorite move is the ankle lock. Okay. Oh, 
Sorry about that. No, you're okay. I know you'll come right back. There you go. You good? We got you. Okay. Oh, am I? What happened here? I see. We see you good. You're good on our side. We had the video and and the audio. Uh, my uh, my favorite movie is The Ankle Lock from uh, from Close Guard. Okay. Uh, sorry, Ankle Lock from Single Leg X. My bad, Close Guard. <laughs> All right. So I think we asked this before, but I did have this on my my speed round. Pull guard or takedown? A uh, pull guard. Sweetest win yeah. ever. Sweetest win ever. Sweetest win ever. Sweetest win ever was uh, against Gutierrez Barbosa at Purple Belt. He beat me twice that year. And then at Purple Belt at Worlds, I submitted my first four fights. And then in my fifth fight, I ankle locked him. And I got up. And I've never, I'm not the kind of guy that gets up and like, yeah, but I did. And I I freaked out. And uh, then I had a subsequent energy dump after that. But yeah, that was the sweetest win I've ever had in my life. I think, again, we might have asked this before, but let's hear it again. Favorite guy to watch compete? Beside yourself. <laughs> oh, dear. I watch myself and I cringe sometimes. Uh, favorite of all of them has to be Leandro Okay. He's an enigma, dude. That guy, and you see how heavy he breathes? Like, he's like, <clears throat> <laughs> and you're like, no way this like 30 year old guy is that tired. But man, when you drink a liter of Coca Cola a day, you're going to get tired. Jeez. Uh, again, I might have asked this before, but. Toughest match ever. Ooh, the toughest match ever is a different question. So the toughest match I've ever had was probably against Ronaldo Jr. at Brombo. And uh, the 2018 Nogi Worlds Finals, uh, he passed my or he passed my guard, so he didn't take me down. He passed my guard late into the match. And with a minute left, I took him down and passed. I held for like 2.9 seconds. And I got bumped off, so I lost by, I lost by one point, and uh, such a crazy fight. And I think about that fight a lot because that's like whenever I see him, I'm like, man, we had that war. And if you watch the fight, you'll love it. It's a good fight. Um, but that's that's the hardest match. I remember getting off the mat that day and being like, like I need a cigarette. <laughs> you know what I mean? That, and I don't hard. smoke. <laughs> <laughs> no, I don't smoke. I don't smoke cigarettes. That was just. You know, like, Ooh, <laughs> been there <laughs> all right so last question here uh i say, i tell everybody this is probably the most important question that you'll ever answer in your jiu-jitsu career this is big a lot Drum of people roll, the, the youngsters that listen to us are are just they, they've turned up the volume on there on the podcast and they're they're just they want to know the answer to this oh dear do you wash your gi belt Oh, okay. So I don't believe you need to wash it as much as a gi, but yes, I do. I don't think you need to wash it. <laughs> Almost knocked over the television. <laughs> uh, I don't think you need to wash it as much as a gi belt because it is gross. It is kind of gross. to. I mean, you're sweating on it. People are on it. It's a piece of fabric. It's made out of a lot of the same material as your lapel on your gi. It's kind of gross. Like, man, and you know what? I used to not. I used to think like bad mojo is going to get washed out, but I don't believe in any of that bad mojo stuff. Yeah. I think that you need to wash your freaking belt because it's a piece of fabric that's wrapped around your waist, right? Right now. But you don't need to wash it all the time because if it's starting to lower the quality of your belt, then you are ruining your belt, you know? Yeah. Like, uh, I, but I do think you need to wash it. Just don't dry it. Do not dry it. It'll you actually shrink. It. it gets shorter. Exactly. You yeah. wash it and you hang it. So, yeah, I, I wash my belt. Uh, 
In fact, I'm gonna now I'm gonna take it home. And walk, I'm gonna walk. <laughs> I think if you don't wash your belt, it'll people. eventually crawl away. Yeah, it'll well, just... it could start oh, to yeah. crawl on its own. <laughs> it'll it'll yeah, come out of the. Closet. So we're gonna put Jake Watson down for Team Wash Your Belt. It will be flashing on the screen when you answer oh, yeah. that question in post production. Oh so. wow! That's... <laughs> yeah, we have it. We have the huge. There's a huge debate amongst me and my and my uh, my co-host. So you really gotta put. You really gotta put hashtag Wash Your Belt. Under and then like in parentheses, but not all the time. You know I, what I mean? I don't. I don't wash it every time. I now have two purple. I have two belts. Mm-hmm. Uh, flow. A uh, flow and roll sent me a belt with my name embroidered. So I do have two oh. now. So now I wear them and then I leave them next to the wash and then I put them in a bag and I wash them together. So I'm not. Oh, you know, right. uh, I, I might wear it a couple of times. One of them is actually a little bit longer. So if I've uh, you know put on a couple of pounds, I wear that one. <laughs> the one that's embroidered yeah, is a little bit belt shorter. <laughs> you have to buy the belt smaller so you get motivated to wear it. Like, yeah. dude, when you get before the Bramble, your coach better get you an A1. <laughs> <laughs> right. All right, listen, I'm going to give you a second to, uh, you know, shout out any of your sponsors, anybody you want to say, you know, hello to, thank you to. The floor is yours. I would say, okay, real quick, I didn't answer the biggest regret question oh. either. Oh, um, that's right. Okay. Just remember. thinking about that, I don't have any regrets about anything. But I would say I wish I would have uh, I, I wish I would have understood earlier in my career that it's okay to like have faith, you know, it's okay to like have your team around you. You don't need to deal with any problem on your own. Uh, you should always seek counsel and seek help in times when you don't know what to do, because when you don't know what to do and you let a problem fester, then it overtakes you. Uh, I wish I would have, you know, dealt with all the, I wish I would have dealt with all the, you know, the depression and the doubt. I wish I would have came to faith in Jesus earlier, but everything happens for a reason. So that's my biggest regret. I think regret is a pretty heavy undertone okay. and I don't have any regrets, but uh, that's what I, I looking back, think a little earlier, maybe, you know, but uh, time to shout out open yeah. guard cast. There you go. Well, you guys follow us on Instagram, Spotify, iTunes, YouTube, you know how it is. We're, we're on podcast platforms. Uh, we uh, have a discount code for election performance, open guardcast 25 for 25% off. You can use that. Get thick, mean, lean, swole. You want all those things? Lift weights. Get off your couch. Stop eating potato chips unless they're sweet potato chips. Those are good. Um, then I also want to shout out Break New Ground. You can use my dad. I have another discount code. Jake Watson, capital J, capital W for 10% off. Uh, we just came, uh, they just came out with the new, uh, I think it's the, the winter edition of the, the basic kimono and it's really nice and i'm i can't wait i think i'm getting it uh when i get home but uh yeah those two uh they support me so much and danny danny o'donnell's a great guy i'm, I'm glad i'm blessed to be able to do the podcast with him um want to shout out also high tier photography logo to life and the regenerative doctor himself dr neil morris of regenerative medicine and then last but not least i want to shout out uh, jujitsu dummies you guys are doing an amazing thing over here that's uh, us that's us hey, really- <laughs> how you doing <laughs> Uh, I'm really a huge fan of, you know, forthright people who have podcasts who are spreading the news about jujitsu. It's amazing. Um, I'll definitely be praying for you guys. And, uh, definitely whenever I come out to Miami, I would love to be in the studio to be able to hang out with you guys, uh, maybe get a beer or something like that. Awesome, Not man. that I drink beer. You would be drinking beer. I'd buy you a beer. <laughs> we'll get you no I'll deals. You a- <laughs> I don't drink. Uh, I, lemonade, so. bro. Lemonade. Okay. I get all, all right. messed up on lemonade, bro. but, uh, <laughs> yeah, I'll get, I'll flip the bar on some Mountain Dew. But, um, yeah, <laughs> but, uh, yeah, no, I'm definitely shouting out you guys. Hey guys, everybody be sure to follow them. 
uh, they're definitely doing amazing. They all come back on the show whenever you need me. Thank you, man. And, uh, I appreciate it. I don't think I have anybody else to shout out. Maybe, uh, I don't know. Like yeah, you guys ever want to? My dad. My mom. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> you know what's so funny? So funny you say that. Uh, what's your name, sir? Bo. 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 All right, Bo. Listen, somebody else, I went on a podcast and somebody, like, I was on my show and somebody else said, why don't you shout out your mom? And I was like, I got to start shouting out my mom at the end of every episode because I feel so bad. I love my mom. I have a whole, I have a whole sleeve dedicated. Oh, cool. nice. Yeah, I have a whole, here, I'll, I'll show it real quick. I have a whole, I don't take off my, uh, my rash guard in the gym, but I'll show you my arm. I have a whole, a whole sleeve wow. dedicated. To the story of my mom leading me to Christ. So the mm. Phoenix is just representing, you know, rebirth and it comes out of the ashes. Wow, and, uh, nice my mom led me, dude, we were, we were homeless. My mom pulled me out of poverty. Like she, she really is a superhero style woman oh, and awesome. she is, she's, she's the best man. And uh, so, yeah, thank you, mom. Uh, even though you didn't <laughs> birth, you might as well have, cause I love you. Um, and my dad too. My dad, like I told you before, is a superhero too. I got, I got good parents. Uh, but uh, yeah, shout out to my mom. Very cool, Love you, mom. All right, Jake. Listen, you are always welcome on the podcast. If you ever have anything going on and you want to talk about it, you know, give us a shout. We'll get you on the schedule. And definitely, when you come down, whether we should be in the studio again by the time you're down in Miami, we should be in the studio. Hopefully, you get that uh, that match. Uh, we'd love to have you, and I'd love to, you know, hey, come for a roll up in Coral Springs, which is about uh, 40, 45 minutes from uh, yeah. from Miami. Uh, if you take a ride up. And uh, yeah, yeah, let's uh, let's keep in touch. I'll let you know when we launch. It's usually going to be like the Tuesday, Wednesday after uh, after we record uh, the holiday. We're not going to worry about the holiday. We'll launch even if it's on Christmas Eve. Uh, we'll get it oh, out cool. there. So uh, I'll, I'll I'll tag you. I'll let you know when we launch it. But listen, this has been one of my favorites, man. Thank you so much for hey, for your input. All the you know the, the your answers were 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 awesome. And um, yeah, again, love to have you back one day, man. Thank you so much. We're going to let you go. All right. Thank you Bo. Yeah. Get on the mat, man. Come yeah. on. I'm trying, man. It's not easy. I'm Don't trying. Be a wuss, Bo. <laughs> All right, brother. Thank you very much. Right. We're gonna let Love you go. Guys. Take Thank care, so man. Bye bye. Did you just say us? Yes, I did. I, I'm not sure if we've if you've got your us card. It, it starts somewhere, right? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I saw the logo scroll up. So not lying. That's been one of my favorites. That's been one of my favorite podcasts. It just uh, he's got a great personality. He's very outgoing. I love his answers. He's got a unique take on things. That's why I wanted to have him on. So uh, guys, stick around. We're just going to do a little housekeeping. If you guys don't mind, um, as always, if you're a competitor, parent, or coach, uh, you want to get your your kids into the the next cool Just King event or any event anywhere in the world. If you help raise money for the Jiu-Jitsu Dummies Foundation, we'll help you pay for your tournament fees. You know, it's usually at, we say up to 100 bucks. If you raise $300, we'll give you 100. If you raise 500, we'll send you a gi from Flow and Roll. Sean's awesome about this stuff. Raise $1,000 or more and you'll get the entrance fee, a gi, and a $100 gift card to our podcast store. So I think that's a really great deal. Look, the foundation awards scholarships to kids who are just doing extraordinary things on and off the mat. Uh, we'd love for you guys to help us out. Uh, if you're trying to get to an event, again, anywhere in the world, 
we'll do our best to help with those those tournament fees. And I mean, like, not if you're you know if you're traveling to Australia, we're not taking your taking care of your plane <laughs> ticket. I mean, you know, if you're in Australia, we'll do it for you as well. So we're going on a SpaceX yeah. <laughs> the SpaceX orbit trip. You know, it's only like a half a million dollars. So if you go to you know you could find almost everything about us if you go to any of our pages. If you click on the link tree, you're going to see all of the links to the podcast, to YouTube, to the platform where you can set up essentially like a social media type of site to raise money and then share on social media. So everything is at Jiu-Jitsu Dummies. You can find us uh, almost anywhere. Uh, same thing, you know, the foundation is at the JJD Foundation on face uh, on Instagram and on Facebook. Just type out the Jiu-Jitsu Dummies Foundation, the whole thing, and, and we can um, – oh. Sorry, I got to get rid of that on the screen. Message I just pointed for out you. something. Um, yeah, again, you can you can find us everywhere. Just look if you just search uh, Jujitsu Dummies, you'll find us. A uh, special thank you to Weedify. We appreciate your support. Uh, looks like we're going to have TJ back on the show in January as well. He's going to be one of our, our, excuse me, February. He'll be one of our February guests. We'll get a kind of a, a 2020 rundown from him. Cool. Special thank you to Dave Kaidash from High Road BJJ, who's one of the reasons why we're able to do this third scholarship. So uh, I'm excited about that. That's uh, at High Road BJJ and High Road Revolution on Instagram. Okay, you can go to both of those pages. Um, okay, I always mention that I'm in the marketing field. If you need help getting more students, hit me up. I'll give you kind of some ideas on what you could be doing. If you want to hire a company to do it for you, whether it's social media or helping you out with your Google presence, your online presence, hit me up. I can tell you what to do. Or if you want to pass it along to a company, that's what my company does. Okay. Check out the podcast store at jujitsudummies.shop. Get 15% off with code JJD. We have rank rash guards, T-shirts, face shields, backpacks, coffee mugs. We've got something really cool that may happen with our store. Talking to Sean at Flow and Roll about some stuff. So something may be happening there. But you'll always be able to go to jujitsudummies.shop and get some gear from the show. Bo, you got anything, Bo? I, I don't know. A rash. You good? Rash. <laughs> Listen, you can get me at Uncle Milty BJJ on Instagram. Appreciate you guys for listening. Hey, and since they since we mentioned it. Handy underscore wisdom. Oh, spell it out though. So you can at, find. I mentioned uh, handy wisdom. Uh, Bo's uh, yeah. alter ego. Do like what do we call you it? Could, yeah, you could say that. So Bo's my, alter. It's my spirit hand. <laughs> <laughs> Super funny. You will love it. Go on Instagram and it's at at handy underscore wisdom. Okay, easy enough. But then it's cool. so, but you call it left handy, right? Left like when you put the That's name. His name. He's, okay, left hander is Swedish. his name. <laughs> Go check it out, everybody. I'm hoping to have him on as a guest. I don't know what we're waiting for, Bo. We should have done that well, for the holiday. A, this is a 2021 thing. The holiday episode when we when our guest we got another holiday us. coming. So, well, I'm just saying we could have we'll done do that. New at, Year's he could have been the he could have been the guest that day. <laughs> we <laughs> weren't prepared though. We'll do a New Year's episode. All right. Listen, he's just afraid of things called arm bar, arm lock, <laughs> hand buster, <laughs> finger breaker. You know, he's he's a little uh, nervous. <laughs> you're right. Listen, this is going to come out right before Christmas. Yeah. Happy holidays, everybody. Happy New Year. We're not going to film again until about mid-January, so this is the last episode of the year. We so appreciate you guys for watching, for listening, for spreading the word, for supporting us on Patreon, for donating to the foundation. We could not do this stuff without you, so peace, love, happiness. Take care, everybody. Us. Us. Do-do. 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 Do-do.